0: And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast.
1: Listening to the We Can't Wrestle
0: Podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Nate Maxson, your host with you here, and I have actually in the We Can't Wrestle studios with me this week. We're not recording remotely. Kyle Army. Yes, wow.
2: This is, we're, we're, we fought snow and COVID to be here live. <laughs> We
0: fought snow and COVID to be here with you yes, in the We Can't Wrestle studios. And, and, Aaron is with monsters. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron is with us as well. And this week we are continuing our trek through the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame, the inaugural class. We're going to have Kyle give his opinions as Archie, Chad Austin, Aaron, and myself already have, and the rest of the panel will also be later on in this episode as well. That being said, let's go through really quick, for those of you that are have been following along or haven't been following along, how this all went down. The criteria to consider to be in the Hall of Fame that I put forth was 10-plus years as a pro. I said exceptions could be made in a situation such as Magnum TA. In-ring ability, promo ability, being of significance to the business whether as a whole or to a certain promotion or territory and drawing po- drawing power Wrong. so those were the criteria everybody was able to nominate eight which gave us a 20 person ballot and we will go over Kyle's nominations after we go over who made it and who did not now the first the 20 the person ballot was Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes The Undertaker Roddy Piper, Bobby Heenan, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bruno Sammartino, Randy Savage, Paul Heyman, <clears throat> Vince McMahon Jr., Sting, Andre the Giant, Ricky Dozon, <clears throat> sorry, Stu Hart, Gene Okerlund, Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler. That was the initial 20 that was the 20-man ballot that everyone had to vote for and choose from. And I do want to add this in because the decision was made after Chad Austin brought it up to me, Kyle. We're going to kind of do kind of a thing that Meltzer does with his Hall of Fame as well, whereas these people are now on the ballot. Next year, the 12 that didn't get in will remain on the ballot and we'll put another eight on. But someone can only be on the ballot five years and then they can't get voted for anymore. Yeah, So they get five shots to get in. And uh, here we go—the 2020 class of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame. Let's start here with Hulk Hogan. Okay. So, I mean,
2: I know this is going to upset some people, and you know, because you can argue who's the greatest of all time, but how can you not say that Hulk Hogan is? In the running, and arguably the greatest of all time. First ballot Hall of Famer, for sure. I mean, he's Hulk Hogan. I mean, people who don't even know wrestling know Hulk Hogan.
0: We actually discussed that on the last episode I brought up. I had read somewhere one time that if they took, back in the 80s, someone actually, I don't know i don't know the whole story, of what they were doing over there or whatever, but in Africa, they showed people a picture of Ronald Reagan, and they showed people a picture of Hulk Hogan. They didn't know who Ronald Reagan was, but they knew who Hulk Hogan was. So, I mean, of cultural significance, you know, you have to give him a nod.
2: Oh, yeah. And like I said, you can say what you want about his movies, but, I mean, the fact is that Hulk Hogan is the reason why we have The Rock in the movies that he's in, and John Mm -hmm. Cena in the movie. I mean, he's the first guy to transcend pro wrestling
0: on a national, you know. Since at least... Since at least what Blassie in the 60s probably you know, but
2: even like with Blassie, like Blassie wasn't in the movies, and you know,
0: I mean, now granted, he made he was on so he was on the talk shows, yeah, you know, like Regis or whatever. Regis loved Blassie, actually, they got along really well from everything. And I mean, Lawler
2: was on, you know, talk show and did stuff with Annie Kaufman, and (laughs) you know, yeah, granted, and I'm sure we'll get to Lawler in a few, but uh, but to be on a national level like Hogan. It was and still is. Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: my God. I... It's
0: like Aaron says all the time, the worst thing he ever did was that reality show.
3: Yeah, that reality show ruined Hulk Hogan. Well, I shouldn't say ruined Hulk It took Hulk the mystique, Hogan. mystique away. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, talking about modern product, but that's kind of my fear with this whole Undertaker thing. Like, the see Taker now, like, talking about, you know, like the end of the era matches with Sean and in Triple H and to see the documentaries. It's like, as cool as it is, it's still, it's one of those things you're just like, man, I don't know if I want this. Right. (laughs) You know, I... I mentioned to to Chad Austin the other day on a post on Facebook. I wish... I'd give anything to go back to when, you know, kayfabe was still intact. Like... It was so much better. Oh, you know, (laughs) I'm glad... It's like, knowing what, you know, the secrets to magic.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like... I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree though. I agree. The next guy of the uh, eight nomin- or the eight inductees this year, another one you can't really argue with, Ric Flair. No, Ric Flair. Um, you know, to to Hulk Hogan's being transcending the business and being a cultural icon, Ric Flair for fans of our ilk is is in that air. You know what I mean? He's he. Hogan is the one that that is the pop star or whatever, but Flair is the artist, I guess if that he, makes sense. He is,
2: but like in in recent years so but what's interesting about Flair now is like in his older years and stuff like he is now, I think matched Hogan mm-hmm. in notoriety that people even people who don't know you know, wrestling, they know Ric Flair now because of everything that Flair has been involved in.
0: And something that has benefited him in that respect is that he has has kept more of a stable relationship with Vince than Hulk has over the years. Yeah. You know, so, and you know, you have a stable relationship with Vince, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be on that open for Raw and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be presented as a legend.
2: Well, and then, too, also, think about it, you know, if you're a non-fan and you turn on anything and you see Ric Flair and you see him in his fucking robes and you see any of his promos, you're going to be like, what? I'd have to see need, more
0: of yeah, this. I need to go watch more of this guy. With yeah, a tear cause... in my eye. <laughs> one of the great promos, yeah. Ric Flair, one of the great promos of all time. And, and, and let's, I let's, not
3: forget, let's not forget the second wind of his career in the rap community. Yeah it's, <laughs> yeah, it's brought up. You
0: know, actually,
2: one of my favorite Flair things was in WCW with Sting when he'd be up in the rap. He's like, Sting, don't you be up there flying
0: around? <laughs> <laughs> this is my arena. Well, and that's that's the thing too. Is he he had many. He's like kind of like the next guy we're going to talk about, Undertaker, where he had many chapters to his career. You know, you go through Flair's career, and there's you've got your uh, what I say looks like Rick the Bruiser. You know, when he Dope. first started out, when he was real. You know, and then you go through the '80s Rick Flair with the styling and profiling, and then kind of a different like a. That mid-90s flair during the Nitro era, he was still flair, but he was a, he was a different Ric Flair, yeah. you know, and then the yeah, end that, of his that career. Rick Fla-
3: that Ric Flair, he wasn't like boning everything in sight and stuff. He was, they presented him as, he was classy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the later years in the WWE, and his send and crazy. Can you imagine? <laughs> and now he's a gangster rapper. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you imagine, like, he talked
2: about the one time, I can't remember what promo or what interview it was, but... He's talking about how originally he wanted his names to be Ramblin' Ricky Rhodes. Mm-hmm. God, can you imagine that in an alternate universe? We have <laughs> fucking Ramblin' Ricky Rhodes.
0: <laughs> With a tear in my eye, Ramblin' Ricky Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble. How about The Undertaker? Now, he was the first guy. He was, I think he was, let me see. No, he was the second guy I listed when I nominated somebody. And here's why. Because of the criteria being of significance to the business and especially of significance to a territory when you think about the WWF WWE i mean there was did anybody have a longer career in that company than him 30 years My you know community. i mean steady just he just that one company you know he never went anywhere else he never he was always there and then like i mentioned before uh in a previous conversation you think about these later years of of WrestleMania you talk about drawing power. The main draw for a lot of those WrestleManias was not the title match. No, it was the Undertaker's streak. And then even after, even
2: after he lost to Lesnar, like you could still say that that the Undertaker was still that draw because that was the only time of the year you really got to see him mm-hmm. until they did these horrible fucking atrocities overseas. But. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. We don't talk about those,
0: you know. Well, and when the when the I'm gonna that you actually made me think of something. When when the product started to get now, I think a lot of people differ on when they say because you know a lot of your your guys that want to hate on everything new forever will say ah jump business jumped the shark in 1988. Okay, it really didn't. But to me, the, the the year that I always pinpoint is the year where I became. Less enchanted as a wrestling fan, I guess, is 2012. Yeah, and th- I'm getting to a point. I swear, that's when you when you got excited. Once you were bored with the business and bored with the product, I got excited that first Raw of the year where the Undertaker would come out. You know, to head into the Royal Rumble or to start the WrestleMania season or whatever his first initial appearance was like the beginning of WrestleMania season you know and even more so than the rumble match itself so yeah i'm sorry i'm kind of no, talking no, no, over no, no, you no, you're but fine we're trying I mean, to get I mean, your thoughts here not think, mine
2: and i think the, i think 2012 is a great point because you know you had the cm punk and then the, the daniel bryan everything that happened with that and it's just like oh they don't care about what we want they this is what they want it's it's manufactured and no matter what You know, Vince can say, we listen to our audience, pal, but... (laughs) So, your opinion, Undertaker, definitely first ballot Hall of Famer? Absolutely. I mean, how can you not? Again, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you look at the, the gimmick of The Undertaker, it's a dumb fucking gimmick. Yeah. On paper it's like you're a fucking old west mortician. (laughs) Like but awesome. But and and that's the speaking credit to The Undertaker. Like that they were able to take this character that is that in any other form of media or anything would be goofy as shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, my god, we've seen it how many times with all the different gimmicks that we've had over the years. Yeah. There's a reason why he got it over and Damien Demento didn't.
0: <laughs> Thank uh, God Mark Calloway wasn't Eggman like he thought he was. You know, and him. I'm
2: not comparing Undertaker to because <laughs> the air looks over <laughs> at me like how no, the fuck can you. <laughs> my point is, is that of all the gimmicks and stuff I mean, like I said, he took it and made it his own. And the fact that he was able to evolve. Yes. My favorite fucking is the
0: 2002, 2003, Big Red, Big Evil, mm-hmm. Booger Red, he was a great heel character oh god um, and i mean like maybe the best bully character ever because he was he was a bully but he was also a badass you know like most bullies in wrestling are they're a bully but then they're not once they get in the ring they're kind of you know everything they is run away. yeah they run away and blah blah
3: <laughs> like like even like um it's totally out of left field but like Bad News Allen or Bad News Brown, whatever you want to call him. He was a bully, but but he'd end up, like, getting disqualified or counted out because mm-hmm. they'd, like, start getting the best of him. He'd just be like, fuck this shit. And walk and out. Yeah. Walk out. And that was, like, his way of... He was still being a chicken shit. It was... It, yeah.
2: Well, he he, he would do things, too, that, like, was brilliant because, you know, now if someone turns heel, and if they're going to turn heel on a woman or whatever, they'll, you know, they'll put her through a table or whatever... All Taker had to do was just shove fucking Lita off the ring,
0: and everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, fuck
2: you!" Mm-hmm. Like,
0: just right. to, the segment where he initially turned with Jim Ross, yeah, you know, are you saying you're better than me, like that? Just i will be kissing his ass for twenty <laughs> years. <laughs> the next one, Bobby Heenan, <sighs> the greatest. I mean, the... we've talked about a lot about Bobby Heenan on yeah, this the, show, and he always will.
2: He's the greatest announcer. He is the greatest, you know, commentator. He's the greatest manager. Bobby, I'll say this. There was a lot of shit that him and Monsoon had to go through and wa- and watch through, and they made it entertaining no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. And, and he
0: was um, me. greatest overall entertainer, you know, yeah. in the history of the business. I That's mean, can we all agree on that? I don't, I already... The reason I haven't been saying much on these is because I've gone through yeah. this twice.
3: But I've said it on every single one. I'll say it on anything we ever talk about with Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan there's nobody that's been better at everything than Bobby Heenan. And he was one of those guys. Like Bobby the like Bobby doesn't even not to cut you off. No, but yeah. But Bobby like they talk oh, he's a great comic. he was a great he was a great um color man he was a great manager he was this it's like bobby heenan was a great worker too oh yeah well because he's in that same category
2: as vince was where he wasn't afraid to to make himself look like a fool Mm -hmm. you know whether he's in the weasel suit and he'd take a fucking ass over you know or he's on the back of the camel right and he fucking topples over in his fucking underwear you know
3: (laughs) is like, he knew what to do to get people to enjoy it and laugh. Do and you see
0: Whiskers? Do I have a tail? that yeah, so
3: kid, he's like, how old are you? 11? You want to
0: make it to 12? <laughs> I love it when he asks that guy, uh, "When he how, how, how long have you long been... You've been married? The guy goes, 22 years. And Bobby goes, you know, if you'd have killed her on your wedding night, you'd be out by now. Right. Or, me and Aaron have always talked about this, about WrestleMania 9, when he
2: fucking wants to smack the ostrich. <laughs> 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 he <had> to, like, <laughs> you but yeah, I, I think that <laughs> with 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 he, Bobby, he was one of those things. He knew when to take a bump. Mm-hmm. Now you know, I don't want to get into the whole flips, dives, and everything else. But it's like when he yeah. took a bump, it meant something, and
0: it looked like it hurt. Yeah, and it didn't look choreographed, or you know, no, it... um, you know that if Hulk Hogan was throwing him into the the turnbuckle, he was gonna. I mean the way he ran toward the turnbuckle as Hogan posted him was it looked like he was out of control had no control of himself you know he had full control of himself and then the flip and then the you know the and Bobby it was great whenever he'd do the flip Bobby never landed like right on his feet you know he always landed like he was holding on to the ropes and I'm yeah. about to be on my ass on the apron and it was just perfect well fucking
2: Bobby and, and Hulk was Austin and McMahon before Austin and McMahon was
0: a thing Mhm. Yeah, Bobby followed Hogan through every fucking promotion and he had, ever went. And through. Hated him the entire <laughs> time.
3: Yeah,
0: Andre the Giant.
2: If you're gonna have a wrestling company, if, hell, I don't care. Even if you're gonna have a fucking attraction company, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's fucking ice capades. I don't care. Andre the Giant Since doing ice cream. Andre, on ice. Ice. <laughs> 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 and you, but I don't care. If it's circus. You want somebody that looks like Andre the Giant on your fucking posters, because good
0: God. And I don't know if you've got a chance to read the book, the, the yes. biography. That book gave me so much more insight into the extent of his career and the the draw that he was in so many places that I didn't even realize. You know.
2: Well. Uh, And also just the fact of what he had to do to travel, Mm
4: -hmm.
2: like to be bent over in a fucking minivan type thing or shit in the bathtubs when he's over in Japan because he can't, you know. Right. Like things that we don't take. Can you imagine that being the size of fucking Andre the Giant in Japan where it's made, you know, (laughs) nothing against Japanese people. No, no, everything
0: over there is, you know, they sleep in, they got hotels where they just sleep in a tube in the wall. God, (laughs) you know.
3: I mean... I'm normal size and still shit in bathtubs just to do it. <laughs> just to do it.
2: But, yeah, I mean... And like I said, it, he's one of those guys that, you know... And I, I get so pissed off when I read things from, like, notes where like, oh, Andre the Giant, he's using what he used to be. Well, fuck you. <laughs> At, after WrestleMania three, he didn't need to fucking be anything more than what he was. Mm-hmm. Be an attraction. Exactly. Like, don't give me this work-rate bullshit. Like he he deserved to be able to fucking you know if you want to say oh
0: uh, he fucking just kind of lazily went through the match well fuck yeah yeah he's in pain he's, st- he, he's in great great amounts of pain and still out there performing yep and yeah I mean and again just talking about the criteria you know if you talk of significance to the business um, drawing power Andre checks all the boxes and you can also like people can say he was you know grouchy or didn't want to work with everybody
3: and this that and the other thing but the end of the day the guy went through all that because he respected and loved the craft that he did
4: mm-hmm.
2: right
3: well and uh,
2: I don't want to get off topic to this, mm-hmm. but real quick I just want to say that uh, you know it's like um, Harley Race you know people sit there and go well, why in the world were they such why why were the old-timers such assholes and stuff and it's like um I can't remember who who was Harley Race's mentor. Uh, oh man, it was he's uh, a big fat guy. I don't even know.
0: I'd have to look it no, up. It wasn't.
2: It wasn't giant. It wasn't you know, Haystacks Calhoun. It was another. It was like, uh, fuck. I can't think of his name. Anyways. The guy was bigger than what Haystacks Calhoun was. Mm-hmm. Harley Race had to wipe his ass
0: off. Oh, uh, uh, um, oh, fuck. Happy Humphrey? Yes. <laughs> it wasn't his mentor. <laughs> that's, well, what, that's, well, why that's why I got yeah, my mentor. Like but Harley <laughs> Race wasn't like, <laughs> no, but I learned
2: everything I No, but. For <laughs> Happy Humphrey. No, but he, he was. If you know, it wasn't for Happy
3: Humphrey, <laughs> I wouldn't be where I'm at today. But
2: he was one of those guys that, you know, was. Uh, that was, you know, Sorry, I didn't mean no funny. No, that. no. <laughs> no, no Mentor is the wrong word, but... He was one the of those... Handler. Little, yes. And it's one of those things where it's like, this dude had to wipe this other dude's ass to get into the wrestling business. You wonder why they're fucking pricks. Right. For, towards you know people who are just getting in easily and everything, you know. Or a take mu- it as a joke. A it's much a,
0: different business now than it was back then, for sure. Randy Savage. Now... Randy Savage is the one that I keep saying I'm a you all everybody knows I'm a huge Randy Savage fan I don't know that he's first ballot Hall of Famer really he got in he got in and that is what it is but here's why I say that I agree with him by the way I think that Randy as fantastic as Randy was he was never the top draw of any significance and I'm not I'm not trying to demean him I'm not trying to diminish his accomplishments but he was always mostly 1B not 1A yeah, well,
3: even when he was even when he had a belt even a belt, even when he had the belt of a company he wasn't the top draw of the company right like when he had it in 80 was 89 88 89 yep hogan was the top draw of the company randy was just the champ when he was in WCW WCW when he had the belt in WCW and WCW always did this, at least once Bischoff took over. WCW never had, like, one guy. WCW had five guys, mm-hmm. like their top five guys. And then Randy was a champ along with the other five guys that were in the you know, the pecking order of it. So it's like, I hate to say it, but Randy Savage always seemed to be, and when I say this, it's going to sound weird, but he was always kind of nipping at the heels of Hulk Hogan. Not not riding Hulk Hogan's coattails. He was just always kind of nipping right there at the end. Like, does that make sense? It does. But, it,
2: but I almost wonder if he is a victim of circumstance. Where, you know, like with WCW and everything, even WWF, like the, he, came, he started to get on the top at, at a time when the old way was going out and a new way was coming in. Mm-hmm. Where it wasn't about just Hulk Hogan anymore when Savage, you know or it wasn't just about one guy, it was Vince like, I need fucking three guys because I have to run towns A, B, and C, you
0: know, right. every... Right, and so, again, I wasn't trying to take anything no, away from no, no. Randy. But yeah. I get
2: I get where you're coming from, like, it's a great point, but I think that he is a victim of circumstance where as the business was evolving, he didn't get the opportunity to be mm-hmm. that
3: main draw guy that, you know... Like in the 80s, it's, the 80s you go, it's Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Randy Savage those would be the three I know people are, what about Dusty like Dusty was kind of going out in the 80s yeah but he's more of a 70s guy Hulk Hogan Randy Savage Rick Flair and you could just I don't know, like Flair and Hogan were like the staples of their company and then Randy was the the guy that was right there after him if mm-hmm. that makes sense yep
0: and always a great performer on the card one of the best promos one of the best yeah, wrestlers yeah in a lot of ways
3: in a lot of ways Randy was better in both of them
0: right but he draw more than them. Um, make more than them. Then and, and Kyle did initially nominate Savage, which we'll go over your nominations. Yeah. Um, Vince McMahon Jr. How do you argue with that one? I mean, significance to the business. Jesus, <laughs> greatest promoter of all time. Yeah, I
2: mean, we. we mm, the man, and grant we you know we can sit we sit here and we talk shit about Vince a lot, but. <laughs> Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, that's now in, in his older years and stuff. But let's not forget, like, just how good that man
0: was at promoting. Like, yeah. he had the Midas touch.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? He 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 made it so that pro wrestling was on network television in the 1980s for the first time since the 1950s. Right.
2: You and that, you can talk about the World Bodybuilding uh, Federation, talking about fucking... Um, xfl xfl you can talk about ico pro you can talk about all these things at least the man had the balls mm-hmm. to
0: take chances yeah
2: you know and you know i'm sorry no one that bats a thousand
0: right well i mean he even took a chance on the initial wrestlemania if the initial wrestlemania right. wouldn't have done well he was done <laughs> he would have had to sell back to the you know monsoon and whoever and the previous um round table or
3: whatever we want to call this discussion like I told Nate, and I told Arch and like I told Chad people knock Vince and say oh Vince McMahon he, he took wrestling and he, and he put all the territories out of business and, and just shut him down and now Vince went in there and said you can either take the money you can either work with me or I'll just come and take it. And a lot of them were like, fuck you, you'll never make it. Yeah. So he said, okay, and then just put him out of business. I, I can't think of anybody that he just went in and just took their shit, if that makes sense. right?
2: And let's be honest, you know, the, everyone talks about, like, oh, Vince McMahon took it public, and he, he went, you know, national. So everybody else was trying to do the same damn thing. <laughs> they all would have done the same yeah, thing. Yeah, like, everybody
3: else was trying to go national, so... Like, one of the only people that sold to him was Stu, Mm -hmm. and he took Kara's Stu. Yeah. Yeah. And he took Kara's Stu's family. He said, Stu, I'm going to come in. I want to run here. And Stu said, okay, pay me this money. And Brett claims he's been sitting paying the money. I don't know if that's true. But he said, okay, but I want you to take this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then he took those guys, and he was a man of his word on that aspect of it. And all the other guys tried to fight him. And they went out of business. <laughs> Except Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett. Because they did... They... The re, I know we're kind of getting off, but like Jerry Jarrett and Jeff... And Jerry... Jerry, and Jerry Lawler didn't go out of business because they didn't go, hey, let's go national. They said, hey,
0: let's do. What we have committed. this
3: little area right here and they like us better than everybody else. So well, let's, let's just stay here. And
2: even with what happened with Houston Wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, um, he was... Basically offered uh, Paul Bosch thank you, Paul Bosch the opportunity to basically be, you know, a outfit for the World Wrestling Federation in, in Houston. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Bob Bosch was like, "Nah, well, we don't really want to do that. We want to do it this way." Then he took care of him and fucking gave him this grand exit from the business. Right? And stuff. I mean, he Vince is one of those guys that
0: takes care of those people
2: that you know,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you can again. People can say what they want, but in the at the end of the day, I, I know that decisions have been made, and he's done things that have been questionable. And it is what it is. He's also the CEO of a company, yep. the CEO of my company. doesn't give two shits about me. But on that, in that respect, like you were alluding to, if you need rehab and you've worked for Vince, Vince puts you through rehab. Yep. You know, and
2: not to get into business talk, but it. You're a CEO and you answer to a board of directors, you can't give a shit about the little guys anymore. Right. Because it's you the way have of a, the world. Yeah, you have a board of directors that will vote your ass out if you're not performing. Exactly. So, you know, gone are the days where bro. Are those guys
0: at now. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, last last but certainly not <clears throat> least, arguably the biggest draw in the history of the professional wrestling business, stone cold Steve Austin. He is
2: one of those guys. Uh, trying to think of the best way to put this. No doubt Hogan made a shit ton of money, but Austin made money off of everybody. Mm-hmm. Because everybody in 97, 98, 99 had an Austin
0: 316 shirt. Well, and Austin everybody. Austin made Austin made more if not as much money as Hogan in like a three to four year period yeah. than Hogan made in like a 20 year period you know and that's not taking any way, anything away from Hogan but I think and Austin also much like Hogan transcended the business mm-hmm. you know and like I, I think it was when Aaron and Chad and I were talking there's almost two Steve Austins too because you have the super grade A in ring worker stunning Steve Austin yep before the knee injuries and all that stuff. Just an amazing worker. And then Stone Cold, which was an amazing character and an amazing draw, were his matches uh, five-star classics? No, but he found a way to wrestle those matches that made it so you still didn't want to look. And I'm I'm not saying he became a sucky wrestler. That's not what I'm saying. But as his knee injuries and stuff started to take a toll on his body, he adjusted and figured out a way to work a style he could work around that
3: and also in that aspect Stone Cold Steve Austin it would have been Stone Cold Steve Austin if he would have been wrestling like Stunning Steve Austin mm-hmm. I don't want to see Stunning Steve Austin go out there and have like a match compared to like what he had with like Ricky Steamboat or Dustin Rhodes and WCW I don't I don't want to see that I want to see Steve Austin go out there and just beat the shit out of somebody and hit him with a chair tell him they fucking suck <laughs> and give him a stunner
2: now and here's the big, here's the the crazy thing about it, you know we, we talked about the hardcore division at that time and it was it was it was goofy it was funny, mm-hmm. but it had to be that, right? Because Austin's matches were that you know basically hardcore style that bruiser style, and if every match is doing what. Austin's doing. that doesn't he, stick out. Exactly. Doesn't. So, you know, when you look back on it, you go like, oh man, those are goofy. Well, yeah, they kind of had to be because
0: mm-hmm. you had to leave it for Austin to be believable. Right. You yes. Know? Um, okay, so we covered the class. Now what I want to do is go through Kyle's initial list of nominees. Okay. And then to wrap it up, I want to reiterate with you two about three people that I'm going to keep pushing on these ballots, just because I want to get your opinion if you think, if you agree with me. But anyway, Kyle initially nominated Gene Okerlund, Randy Savage, Yokozuna. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Yokozuna. Okay. And Aaron, Aaron said he was going to question your decisions, maybe. For, yeah.
2: for Yokozuna. I, real quick, before we, we go on, I just want to talk about Mean Gene. He's Ooh. the fucking Ooh. voice. When you think of an announcer, if you... For it, fuck, any game that's out there that has an announcer Whether they usually make him look like Mean Gene exactly and, and he did make the ballot he just didn't make the class, class so. but yeah but uh, as far as Yokozuna goes I, I know I know that he doesn't have longevity and that's partially because of his fault but he's one of those guys that's like under the Giant where when you see him fuck, he just screams like, I have to buy a ticket for this. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy is
0: massive, and look at what he can fucking do. I was about to say, and for his size, you know, I mean, until you get to maybe, you know, late 95, 96, where it just started going off the rails for him, but when he, when he, you know, that that run that he had as the champion, and all that, I mean, you watch some of those matches he had, he's a guy that size should not be able to move like that. No. <laughs> here's, here's the biggest yeah, thing:
3: big butted Oriental Max, and
0: <laughs> but here's a big thing
2: about it too: like he wasn't a character caricature. Yokozuna, like he didn't come out and you know wasn't the silly Japanese guy, right? Like you know they treated it with honor and respect. Where when he can't, you know, like I said, he looked and felt like an actual Yokozuna, which. You know, I'm not sure if any people, how many people out there know, but the title Yokozuna is was given to su- the best sumo wrestlers, mm-hmm. and so you know. Plus, like I said, you put him on the the bill with anybody at that time, anybody, especially when you're leaving the the you know the jacked up 80s we're going in the 90s. Put Bret Hart against him, put Shawn Michaels against him, Austin against him, Owen again. It doesn't matter you're automatically going to sell tickets because you're just like, well, how the fuck? Even Lex Luger. You're going to mm-hmm. be like, how is he going to overcome this? Right. You know, for the first time in forever, we had a guy that, you know, when the Royal Rumble happened, it wasn't
0: like with Andre, it was like, how the fuck are they going to get this guy over the top rope? And he was so big, he made Randy Savage a moron for 30 seconds. Yeah, Randy did. Savage tried to pin him in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he did. <laughs> After he'd been in like 10 of them. <laughs> well, they, just to there get There were 10 of them. Just like to knock him off the board... A couple of guys that uh, you nominated that did get in. You nominated Hogan. You nominated Andre. Mm -hmm. I said you did. You nominated Savage. You nominated Heenan. So one that you nominated that made the ballot but did not get in. And I was actually kind of surprised. I don't think Aaron nominated this guy. Let me look. He did not. I was actually surprised Aaron didn't nominate this guy. Piper. Roddy Piper.
2: The... um, Look, I'm going to say this... WrestleMania would not have happened. It wouldn't have been as big. The war to settle the score, everything that happened with MTV, wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Piper. Because Hogan needed that perfect villain. Mm-hmm. Just like Batman needs the Joker, Superman needs Lex Luthor, Hulk Hogan needed
0: a villain. Yeah, as good as he was, that spot could not have been Dr. D. David Schultz. No. you know, And
2: Piper... Was able, was willing to take the risks. He fucking kicked Cindy Lauper for Christ's sake. Just like,
0: straighten the fucking
3: dome. God, I mean, yeah, no, he worked it. He, he did. Worked, he worked. It. One of my favorite things I ever read was him talking about. He, he didn't say who told him, but they said, "Do you know how much heat and Mains even more mainstream publicity you could get if you just kicked her right in the face? <laughs> like you just, just, just." Just say you did it on accident, but just kick her right in the face. And he said up until about the time he got in there to kick her, he he was thinking about oh, <laughs> might kick her in the face. And then then he then he held back. Like, but yeah. Um the reason I didn't put him on there is because it's like I I think I prefaced this the first time we went around with this, is that I wanna try to get guys on there that maybe aren't
0: um on everybody's radar. On everybody's radar. Right, absolutely. No, I get that. And and that's what the last one here, nobody else nominated this guy, so this was Kyle trying to get somebody that wasn't on everybody's radar. And, and I would definitely nominate him at some point, as much as I, I just love him as a wrestler. The last one, for you, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Look, you can sit here and you can talk about... Brett
2: Hart, you can talk about, Shawn Michaels and all these guys, blah, blah, blah. And as good as Brett was, and as good as Shawn is, and, and everything else, like, the fact that Kurt was so damn good that I think he helped transition. He was the perfect transition from the the big, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to call them steroid guys, the big, you know, muscle guys to the more smaller guys. Right. Because he was doing it before Brent. Mm-hmm. Like he was that guy that was transitioning where I think he he looked, Vince could look at him and go, you know what? Like, damn, like. Right. You know, because it was also one of those things, too, you got to think. As WWE is coming or WWF is coming out into the mainstream, you have fans from NWA, fans from you know mid south, whatever, they're starting to watch, and now they're getting to see guys like Bret, they're getting to see
0: guys like Mr. Perfect, mm-hmm. and it's like wow, that kind of matches what we watch here. If you talk about pro wrestling, if you're talking about the modern era of pro wrestling, which I think that would be considered probably mm-hmm. like from like WrestleMania five to today in the big chunks in the eras of wrestling the three I think personally and I don't want to get off on tangent or anything but I'm I'm including Henning in this to me the three guys in the modern era of wrestling that are the most natural smooth professional wrestlers of that era because you know I'm not going to go back to 1972 and Dory Funk or whatever but of the modern chunk of wrestling Kurt Henning Kurt Angle Randy Orton.
2: No.
0: I'm not saying they're my favorites. I'm just saying if I'm watching them in the ring, smooth. It looks natural. It looks like this guy was born to be a professional wrestler. Those three guys would be the three that I would that I would bring up. Um, anything from you on his nomination of Mr. Perfect, Aaron? Um,
3: I'm not saying I disagree with it, but I wouldn't make him like you know a first, first ballot. ballot person. And and I'm a Mr. Perfect fan. Everybody knows that. The reason I wouldn't is that he he um, do he had he had some injuries in his career and he had some he had some start stops if that makes sense mm-hmm. so it wasn't like as seamless as it was for some
0: people if that makes sense so the last thing I want to do here while I've got you guys in the studio is there's three guys that I nominated that uh, made the ballot that I'm going to keep pushing for and the reasons why, and I just want to briefly for both of you to tell me whether you agree with me or not. The first one is Dozan. Um Without Ricky Dozan, there's no Japanese pro wrestling. Yeah. And that's why when I'm saying of significance... Um, I give that nomination five stars. <laughs> in the Tokyo Dome? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, I don't know if you knew this, Kyle, or not, but Ricky Dozon... What I forget who the match was supposed to be against, but Ricky Dozon was supposed to have a match in Japan, and that is what sold televisions in Japan. Like, lots and lots of people did not have TVs, didn't care to have TVs. Was it Freddie? It might have been. It might have been Ricky because Dozon Because
3: Freddie Blassie supposedly caused... 99 elderly Japanese people to have heart attacks because he would sharpen his teeth and then bite into the head of Ricky Dozan (laughs) and he went on camera and said he wishes he could have got it up to 105
0: but yeah I mean you talk about about a Hogan or a Steve Austin or um, Gorgeous George getting people to watch pro wrestling this dude Ricky Dozan got people to go out and buy a fucking TV to watch pro wrestling and the god of Japanese wrestling isn't even Japanese yeah. <laughs> the other guy that uh, that I'm going to keep pushing for is Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler was on my ballot, wasn't he? I believe so. Yes, he was. 30 year, or 30 plus years in Memphis just as the top guy, you know, and and in the business, one of the I mean, can you argue with one of the greats of all time?
5: No, he you know?
2: he was the guy it's smart enough Smart enough to sit there and have a, a an issue with Annie Kaufman mm-hmm. to trust somebody from the outside like sports entertainment before it was sports entertainment right I mean because I don't care who you are back then it was all over the fucking news mm-hmm. especially when he fucking knocks the fuck out of Annie Kaufman on uh, Letterman yeah how do you not mm-hmm. you know
3: Lawler, Lawler ran a city. Like, I, I shouldn't even say a city, a state. And, like you said, he did shit that was outside the box. Like, nobody was getting fucking ran over with cars and shit in, like, the WWF. Or And, uh, I mean, I know they did shit with, like, Dusty where they, like, beat him up right. in that fucking studio and broke his arm or whatever. But nobody was, like, running people over with cars. Nobody was letting fucking... Um, like, they let Billy Joe Travis get arrested on television because they were going to arrest him anyway because he wasn't paying child support or whatever, so Lawler <laughs> was like, don't take him yet. We got to use Let's him. turn this into and, something. And the cops were like, we got to take him. He goes, well, if you're going to take him, I'm going to film it. And they filmed it and turned it into a thing that he beat somebody up. Now the cops were arresting him, but he's really getting arrested for child support. Nobody did that shit. It was fucking Lawler. And he's been around forever. He's wrestled everybody, he's been everywhere, mm-hmm. and he's never not been good. That's right. the other thing, like, like, there's not very many people where you can say, through this guy's entire career, he was never not good. There was even a period of Ric Flair's career where Ric Flair wasn't very good. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and think about it, too, you know, you're, you talk about running people over the cards, you talk about getting arrested, you talk about all these things, you know... Son of a bitch! Look what look what Vince did mm-hmm. yeah. in the in the in the late nineties <laughs> during the Attitude Era. A lot of that was Lawler's fucking ideas just rehashed. Yeah. So
0: he's the only guy Vince can put out of business too. Last and certainly not least, and then we will wrap it up. I'm going to keep pushing for Terry Funk. This guy, this guy, was the NWA champion in the seventies. Had a career in the eighties where he just went to every single territory and made his mark whether it was the WWF or his feud with Flair in the NWA or what have you or Texas or whatever and then in the 90s they built ECW on his back like this guy is to me is part of the lifeblood of the history of professional wrestling and I'm going to keep pushing for Terry Funk any any he put in the
3: best I quit notice of all time. <laughs> my Sorry, horse Vince, sick. my <laughs> horse is sick. <laughs> I'm going. home. I gotta go home. You know. And then he just didn't come back <laughs> until like '98.
2: And he's one of those guys that I don't think he's got to be the inspiration to Undertaker being the last gunslinger.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: You know because.
0: He, he Oh, you watch, uh, you watch Taker, you watch Austin, yeah. You watch, I mean, any of those guys of that ilk. They, there's yeah, lots of Terry re- Funk in there.
3: A, he's a guy that reinvented himself all the time, and um, like you talk about the the '90s when he came back and he was all hardcore and everything like that. That was cool. But like '89 when he came back to fight Flair. Like, he was old then, and he was in the best shape of his yeah. career. When he came When he came back to fight Ric Flair, you knew he was like, I'm wrestling Ric Flair. I can't go out there and look like a fucking schlub. Right. And and he looked fat. Like, fucking Terry Funk had abs. Like, the only time in his career he had abs <laughs> was in, like, 89. It's fucking nuts.
0: Anything else on Funk before we wrap I, it up?
2: He was one of those guys. Uh, it, it's a throwaway line. It's a throwaway show. But there was, I remember... It was a shotgun Saturday night, and I can't remember who Funk was facing, but Austin was on commentary, and the entire time, Austin's putting over Funk, because mm-hmm. they're supposed to have, I think it was like something at the Rumble. Funk was going to be in the Rumble. Yeah, and it's just like, the fact is, like here you have Austin, the, the fucking star right. of WWF, and he's like, he's like, I know he might be old, but that motherfucker's
4: tough, <laughs> like,
3: he don't sleep and, on Terry and, Funk and Terry did some shit at that shotgun Saturday night that Vince didn't like and then Terry Funk
0: wasn't in the royal Rumble. <laughs> was, right. it, was he in the I don't think he was in it was well it? if we're talking 97 um yeah he did he was in it he did he wasn't maybe
3: it. it was 96 that he was. well
0: 96 playing. yeah 96 he was supposed to be in it initially and then I think they switched it to Dory yeah and I don't know what the story is with that because Shotgun Saturday night wasn't around at that Better point. Another sick horse. <laughs> Probably another sick horse. Never talk to a man about a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle and Aaron, thank you for joining me uh, to yes. discuss the Weekend Wrestle Podcast Hall pleasure. of Fame. As the years go on, we will all be pushing for our favorites to get in. But thank you for helping me open up the show, guys.
2: I'm excited for next year because now we've got the heavy hitters out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's going to be interesting. You're going to have
3: Barely to anybody
0: on my list got in. Heavy hitters are still there. <laughs> you're gonna. It, it, the, people are going to have to think harder about, especially since the twelve that didn't get in are still going to be on the ballot. So now you're still going to have to think about who who that ne- next eight can be, and you you dig into more. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I've already been thinking about it. Like so i already. Here's here's a question I want
2: to ask real quick, and I know I don't mean to do it on the podcast, but. So, like next year, if we do tag teams, is tag teams one spot, or do we have to have both people? I I, I would say
0: I would say if if someone's career was, let's say, the Legion of Doom Mm -hmm. or the Rock and Roll Express, if their career was mainly, you know, like we said, ten years or more in the business, if they were in a tag team for the majority of their career, ten years or more, I say nominate them as a tag team. Yes, I think that. But like as an example, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are both on the ballot now. as Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart now later down the line can we talk about nominating I don't know because I don't want to get into that WWE thing where there's somebody's got like 15 nominations. I do too so but yeah I would say like the Rock and Roll because if a tag
3: team if if a guy's not in a tag okay like Bret Hart Bret Hart wasn't in a tag team his entire career Mm -hmm. okay and I'm not knocking Jim Neidhart but they they, they broke up at the same time so did Jim Neidhart contribute as much as Bret Hart no no so, Jim Neidhart shouldn't just get put in because he was Bret Hart's tag team partner. Right.
2: Well, and, you know, and I'm also going to say this, you because, know. Because,
3: I mean, you got tag teams that break out, too, and, like, like the whole big discussion of, and I'm sorry. I mean, no, I okay, didn't. Uh, but there's a big discussion that everybody has about Arn and Tully. And I know, Nate, you're not as huge of a Tully Blanchard fan as I am. Mm-hmm. But I think Arn and Tully eventually are Hall of Fame candidates. But I wouldn't make Arn and Tully <coughs> candidate as a tag team champion or as a tag team together because they were only together for like three years. Right. That's not that, that's not a Hall of Fame tag team in my opinion if you were only a tag team for three years.
0: But the Rock and Roll Express is a Hall of Fame tag team. Yeah. Right. The, you know, the...
2: And I'm not saying that these guys are a Hall of Fame tag team. I'm just going to use this as an example. And I don't think anybody here is going to sit here and honestly say that fucking Billy Gunn or Road Dog is a Hall of Famer in themselves. But... As New Age Outlaws, they yeah, have they I mean, have a, they have a reason to. They were the,
0: they were the biggest team of their time, you know. You know so for, for a period of time, or you know, another one, another team that I would. Now you got me thinking about tag teams. I would nominate uh, Butch Miller and Luke Williams. Yeah, because they weren't just the Bushwhackers; they were the sheep herders. They had a yep. long career together. They were yeah, really good. Says,
3: oh, the Bushwhackers! It's like fuck you, the Bushwhackers were entertaining. <laughs> but,
2: yeah. And they have one of the coolest fucking things with Roddy Piper. Fucking Piper smashes that goddamn beer bottle, <laughs> and 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 it's like, and, 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 and people it. are like,
0: oh, like that. it's like yeah, that's fucking what pro wrestling used to be. I'm not gonna
3: get off on a Bushmaster
0: tangent. We won't get off. We'll talk. Yeah. Maybe we'll do. We'll, we'll talk about that next time. But thank you guys for joining me. And Your uh, pleasure talking about the Hall of Fame, Kyle. Thank you for being yes. in the studio. The We Can't yes. Wrestle podcast. The King listens to it. WWE Hall of Famer, Jerry the King Lawler, and you better listen to it too. My friend Nate, and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Snacks. All right. Look at that. We are live. Woo! Woo! In the Asylum Wrestling Store, Dave Maxon here along with what
5: up, everybody,
0: Mr. Rocky Turner, Mr. John Majewski, and Mr. David Gold. <laughs> and uh, for those of you that uh, don't know, because I mean, you know, I dropped the ball, never made an announcement about this or anything. <laughs> but we are currently recording a segment for the We Can't Wrestle podcast. What I have done is went out and said, you know what? If Dave Meltzer out there in California, who's also never wrestled a match with his big pumpkin head, can have his own Hall of Fame, so can I. So that's what we did. And um, a a panel of 12 individuals that I think have good, diverse opinions on the wrestling business. I had each person nominate eight wrestlers or personalities to be in the Hall of Fame. Based on those nominations, we got down to a 20-person ballot and have eight inductions this year in the inaugural edition of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame. Now, this is going to be not only live in the Virtual Asylum, but of course, as part of the podcast. So because of that, while since we're live in the Asylum Wrestling Store, before we go into the Hall of Fame, I would love for David and Rocky to talk about what is coming up in the Virtual Asylum. If you're not a part of it, you are missing out, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, you uh, are. I'll Back. let the man of the hour start. This
1: guy. Uh, well, we got Lex coming this Saturday. Uh, we're all constantly trying to to bring in somebody new every week, every two weeks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people on the radar. A lot of a lot of great talent already signed, as you've seen from our tour poster. Um. Uh, but, yeah, never dreamed in a million years back in, I guess, April that we would be where we're at now on the map. It's been it. a
0: fan, yeah, it's been fantastic, you know, and, and not only giving the fans the opportunity to meet the stars, but giving the stars the opportunity to make their living during a pandemic, you know. Exactly. It, it's, it, it's, it's been a fantastic journey. You guys have done a fantastic job. Well oh. we've got we got Dustin Rhodes,
6: we got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I feel like spitting fire right
5: now, if I could.
1: <laughs> He's a big one.
5: We got if you can um, just walk down with a Komodo dragon just everywhere <laughs> you go. Then we yeah. do.
6: We got um The Best There Is, The Best There Was, The Best There Ever Will Be, Of course. Bret Hart coming in after that.
1: Yeah, I've never but heard of that we, guy.
6: <laughs> Probably one of our biggest right. shows, yeah. So we got some hot takes on him coming. Then mm-hmm. we have, um, let's see, who do, who do we have after Brad? Uh, we have uh, Heath Slater, um, uh, we have Eric Redbeard, formerly known as Eric Rowan. Uh, after that, we have Kelly Kelly, um, and just some more people coming up. We, we just booked someone for the 22nd, which we'll announce later. Um, we booked. Um, I mean, I just can't even remember how many people there are. There's are so many now.
1: <laughs> there I there think, is a poster. I think it, that's I think a good problem to have. And, and here's the thing the guys have worked their butts off, not only for the fans, but for the talent. And they're, they're you know, every time we do a show, they're already talking about coming back and, and spending some time with us again. So that's, that's a big you know, pat on the back for for the, the admin and for the group because it, it just tells everybody that, hey, these guys are for real. They're doing a good job. They're treating people right. And the talent wants to come back. So,
6: oh, we feed them. We feed them too. Like Scott Hall destroyed
1: <laughs> the Chinese broccoli. Foods.
6: Yeah. And then the, the funniest part was at the end of the show, Nick had his Chinese. He didn't eat it. He had it closed. And Nick, Nick was like, I'm going to eat this when I get back to the room. I'm going to warm it up. Nope. Paul walks over, pulls his mask off, opens Nick's food and goes,
1: "There you go. Hey, yo. This is really good stuff. <laughs>
5: hey, he you know what?
6: Nick's food. <laughs> Nick's standing there like, well, I guess I'm not eating that
4: now. <laughs>
5: Real quick, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to let you guys know, the one thing that has amazed me, um, you know, when you get behind the scenes of workers or wrestlers in general, there can, you know, and I'm not talking about scheduling. I get schedule conflicts come up and people have to readjust schedules. That, that's normal. That happens in all of our everyday lives. But the one thing that has been amazing to me, is like just like Rocky said, how good these guys have worked their butt off for our members and our fan are their fans. And there's just there hasn't been a bump where there's a controversy or anything. And that's what has amazed me. It has been doing great. And knock, uh, knock on wood. hats off to you guys for doing that as well. Absolutely. Appreciate
6: that. I mean it's a team thing. It's not just us. Um, Magic. It's it's all the admins in the asylum. I mean, everyone has a piece that they pull or or a little bit of weight, whether it's big or small. We wouldn't be where we are today without everyone's work.
1: Definitely Um, everybody's a spoke on the wheel. That's for sure. Um,
6: You know, you get to do your first uh, round of uh, what we've been doing for the last year with uh, shipping and then dealing with a show. Hopefully for
5: sure, finally getting down into the Texas market.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now he gets to see what you know, I mean you've shipped, of course, but now you kind of get to see the has it been shipped yet?
1: (laughs) The second one I ever did was the well the biggest one we had was with McFoley, and I was just I was overwhelmed. I was like, Rocky was
6: like a stuff. Rocky was like a a person without caffeine. Where is this one going? God damn it.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, so short story, Foley comes down from Michigan to meet me here in town to drop the stuff off. So I pull up at the comfort suites. I had a room there for him, and he pulls up in his minivan. Of course, it's not the same minivan. It's a, This is a newer one. Opens up the door. He says, okay, where do you want me to put this stuff? And it was just like never ending. <laughs> I, I literally, you know, had my truck. And the whole back seat was full. Half the bed was full. And then the front seat had a couple small boxes. And i Rocky like, had to
5: rent out another room just yeah.
1: to put stuff. In. I'm like, Is that all? He says, Well, I think so. Let me double check and he started rifling through a couple other boxes. Said, yeah, yeah, I think that's it.
6: Oh, and then he posted that video on um on Twitter and like the camera pans on all the stuff around There's the room. And we're just like
0: did we really sell all of that? Yeah. <laughs> you're, looking at your, you're, you're looking at your future workload, yeah. Yeah. And, and then
6: Molina comes in, and then Foley is is outdone, and it's like it, it takes me a week and a half to to get through her stuff. Like every day I got home, I'm like, Am I still not done?
1: She <laughs> oh, had man. she had an energy like none other. I mean, it, and it,
6: it always was big stuff, lots of yeah. figures and yeah. stuff like that. Molina was like, If I if I popped one more eight by ten in a top loader, I was gonna blow my head off. <laughs> I mean it was just a bunch of eight by tens. And it wasn't like, Oh, this guy got this, this guy got this. Well, this.
5: well let's go ahead and think of that for a second. If you were going to see a picture of someone over and over and over, would you rather Mick Foley or Malene? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'd rather get the figure signed, right?
6: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's easier. Sometimes I enjoy packing the bigger boxes, but sometimes it's easier to pack the eight by tens. But sometimes it's because you have to put it in the top loader, pull the sticker off, or close the sticker, pop them. And then there were times I'd be half flying through it, and I've got six sealed
1: envelopes over there, and I'm like, I forgot oh, to
5: press the I mean, them back, open. Bust the back open. yeah. Yeah,
1: there were several times when I was packing eight by tens up, and I'm like, Wait a minute, did I put a, did I put a COA in there?
6: And then I get an email, a, tech, a private message a, a week later, Hey, dude, you forgot the COA. No, yeah,
1: yeah. I, there was at least a half a dozen of them I had to cut back open because I forgot to put them in there. So then, you know, I started learning from my mistakes and started putting stuff in there as I before I started actually packing them up and sealing them, so writing people's names on them. So it, it gets down to the point where it's just a system. You just kind of next thing, you know, you got 57 packages going out with, you know, in a blink of an eye. But yeah, just just a quick thing to all the fans. And all of our group members that that join us for these meet and greets, all we ask is just, you know, just a little bit of patience. Like I said, we're not Amazon by any means. We're not offering prime shipping, but we guarantee you that we are doing our best to get it in the mail and to you as fast as possible. Because, you know, I'm I'm a full-time ship worker. Dave has a full-time job. Nick has a full-time job. Everybody has full-time job, so we're doing this on our, her free time mm-hmm. so just keep in mind you know think about you know if you're sitting at the house and you had 60 items or 70 items to ship out and you're a one-man show just think about how long that would take you
6: imagine shipping out 50 100 buddies
1: yeah buddies <laughs> are even worse
6: and the worst part was was you i know. had to, i had to put the coa in the bag bag it Tie the bag shut, put the little sticky thing on the top of the bag. And I, I was getting so frustrated because the string is this small and you're threading it through the hole. And then you'd get the knot almost tied and it would fall off.
1: Yeah. A <laughs> like, couple of, couple of <laughs> them I tied too tight and I ripped right through the tag. Yeah. It's like, like crap.
6: And, and by, by buddy 10, you're like.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, It's it's a lot of work. It is a labor of love because we love bringing in the talent for the members, for the fans, because we know you can't, at least you know you can't go to a con not yet anyway. But right. it, it also, there's a lot of people that can't afford to travel. Right. There's a lot of the talent that are beat up, crippled. They can't even get out of bed sometimes. They can't travel to a con. So it's our way of giving back to them. It's our way to give back to the fans and we hope that everybody enjoys the shows and we hope to continue to bring in uh, some of the wrestling community's top talent. So that's our goal. We're just, you know, we're fans just like you guys, but you know, we just, we just, we love doing it and we love meeting, we love meeting these guys that we grew up watching. So.
0: And for those of you that are, Listening to this on the Weekend Wrestle Podcast and you're not a member of the asylum, the virtual asylum, what are you waiting for? Go do it right now to be a part of these shows. It is, it is again it's and to see David Gold. I mean, you know.
5: Hey, hey guys, and for for all of Nate's fans that are uh, that aren't a member yet, can y'all refresh me? Um, even if I didn't buy like a meet and greet or whatever, how much do I have to pay just to watch it?
0: Nada. Three. <laughs> Three ninety nine, three ninety
6: nine. Are you out of your mind? Remember that commercial?
1: Three
6: ninety nine. You out of your mind? We're old. <laughs> and, and I, I catch
1: myself going back and watching some of the shows because I just I enjoy watch listen to some of the stories that are told. Oh yeah. Am so yeah, the I only a, one
6: that didn't know Terry Funk was in a Wendy's commercial? Someone posted that earlier, and that was I did not old. know that. <laughs> yeah, he. It's great. Go look it up. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Go look it up. It's. I had no clue, and he's like, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, sometimes,
0: sometimes when I'm editing it as the podcast, I'll just be listening to the story, and then I'm like, "Oh crap, there was a little thing with the sound there," and then I completely miss it because I get enthralled in the stories they're telling. So, like Rocky right, was right. saying, I mean, you just being able to being able to hear those stories, and it's not in a you're not you're not watching a crappy shoot interview on YouTube or something with some guys in a hotel room, you know?
1: <laughs> Asylum shirts from. Are- Yes, Eduardo. We do sell shirts. If you go to prowrestlingtees.com and look for the Asylum, you will see our logo, and you are able to purchase your very own Asylum T-shirt.
6: Set nobody. We're open. uh, We're equal opportunity. uh, Equal opportunity.
0: And now, if you guys are ready,
6: I've been waiting to
0: dig into this Hall of Fame conversation. So. For those of you that don't know um, or that don't know that don't listen to the We Can't Wrestle podcast, uh, just like I said about the asylum, what are you waiting for? But anyway, if you're – I will go over – the people that are listening to the podcast right now have already heard me do this like three or four times. They can skip 30 seconds. But just so everybody knows, like I said earlier, we started with the nominations. We got to a 20-person ballot. We got to the final eight inductees based on voting. Now, here was the criteria to consider when the panelists were considering their nominations 10 years plus as a pro. And I did say there could be exceptions made in a situation like a Magnum TA Um, in ring ability, promo ability, being of significance to the business, whether as a whole or to a certain promotion or territory and drawing power. Those are the criteria to consider when nominating. So I will go over who our 20 person ballot was and then who actually made the cut for the first class, and then we will discuss. The, the initial ballot, the 20-man ballot, was Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes, The Undertaker, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Bobby Heenan, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Brett Hart, Steve Austin, Bruno Sammartino, Randy Savage, Paul Heyman, Vince McMahon Jr., Sting, Andre the Giant, Ricky Dozon, Stu Hart, Gene Okerlund, Terry Funk, and Jerry Lawler. The eight inductees. Actually, we'll just go through them one by one and discuss them. The first man that made it in, I think, is a no-brainer based on the criteria. I'm not going to try to steal the spotlight here. I'm going This is David and John's segment of the show. Um, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> brother,
5: brother. Brother from another mother, brother. So first off, I want to say there is nothing that we can say that hasn't been said. There is no man or woman in the history of mankind who has more of an influence, has a longer stay. Now, yes, I will admit certain wrestlers at certain times, um, you know, we'll get into Stone Cold later. Stone Cold was hotter, but... for. For a less amount of time, though. Exactly, exactly. No one was hotter than Stone Cold. But -hmm. if you look at Stone Cold's career, it's actually pretty short. And we'll get into that later. But no one, and and there's nothing anyone can say to influence me or make me think different, had a bigger influence in making wrestling as mainstream as it is today. And I'll
6: go on the other side of the coin, and I will say, we're good to debate now, or do you want me to wait? Oh, no, go ahead. I will go on the other side of the coin and I will disagree with that a little bit. Uh, I I do agree that Hogan put the WWF because that's what it was at the time. I know a lot of people correct themselves and say WWE. Look, it wasn't the WWE in 1985. Sorry. Right. Um, So Hogan comes in and he changes the thing, you know, changes it. He rock and wrestle and all that stuff. Hogan was big from about 85 to 92 and then he started getting super stale. Okay, and that's when, you know, they started having all the steroid issues, and then he went to Japan, and then, okay, so that's seven years. Stone Cold started his run, I would say, late 96, early 97, and he had a bunch of injuries, so it was cut short, but he was hot all the way until 2003. That's six years. Hogan went to WCW and reinvented himself, for sure, but at the same token, the runs were only a two- to three-year difference. It doesn't seem that way, but it was.
5: But you're 100% wrong, and this is why. Stone Cold was only big in that six-year run in WWE. Hogan was big in AWA. Hogan was humongous in Japan. Hogan yes. was hum- obviously the biggest ever in WWF. And then Hollywood Hogan was the biggest thing once he went to WCW, Hogan everywhere he was. And granted, I know before he got to WWF, he wasn't, you know, the the number one number one man. But he was big everywhere he went. Stone Cold was never big until he was Stone Cold.
6: I disagree with that. He was huge it, it, to a different demographic, but he was really good in ECW. Okay, and, and I get okay. it. No. no, hold on, <laughs> hold on. He was big in ECW. He was really good at stunning Steve. He was great with Brian Pillman. I wouldn't. He was great. He wasn't main eventer like Hogan for sure, but and his rise wasn't. You know, Hogan was around late seventies, and, and what it was in Stone Cold's level, right? Mid card, working his way up. So yes, Hogan's run. Spanned across, but Austin's run had Bischoff not misused him would have been just as big as Hogan's if he used him appropriately, but I'm not disagreeing with you though. Hogan is huge. And, but I would say that Austin's run was shorter only because of injuries and, and Vince wanting to do certain things to Stone Cold's character. But that's a whole other episode. Well, that, so that I won't disagree with. We'll really, 10 hours. But first let me go through all that. that.
5: If if you're if you are in any of the big wrestling federations, you're amazing, right? You, the worst If dude, you get in any ring, you're amazing. So, so i when I say that, I'm not saying like Stone Cold wasn't good. He was good. Yeah. He was great everywhere. But he was not over. He was not you know, he was not top tier. He was lower to low card, lower middle to low card at best.
6: That's where we're going to disagree because I was a big WCW fan in the early 90s. And and I was I was a kid, right? I was young. Cool, tell a me, lot me of a people would argue I was too WCW young, but I were I loved it. I loved Tell me a great
5: WCW feud you had. Had a bunch of great feuds. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's none. Go ahead and tell me one. Oh for the love of god, really? Are we going to go let, Let's go to the, let
6: let's go I, back I, and debate will, this so
0: we're not doing this for I, hours. I will uh I will chime in with that when we get to Steve. But one I think, thing I want to say,
6: let's get to Steve on that because Magic is way wrong. He had a bunch of great WCW feuds, but let's go on.
0: One thing I will say about Hogan is uh another thing that I think is is where he checks a box is that <clears throat> With Hulk Hogan, for the first time since probably Gorgeous George on the Dumont Network in the 1950s, when Hogan came along, he was the wrestling star that transcended the wrestling business. There's actually a story from a journalist that was in Africa. If you showed people in Africa in in 1985 a picture of Hulk Hogan and a picture of Ronald Reagan, they had no clue who Ronald Reagan was, but they could tell you that's Hulk Hogan.
4: Well,
6: for sure.
0: that just and and again, I know I, I'm not I'm not arguing I'm not arguing whether I, you know he's not my favorite of all time, but right. there's no doubt if we're talking the criteria here for a first ballot Hall of Famer, Hogan definitely deserves deserves that. So
6: he, he does, and and I will tell you that you can show Hogan's picture to anyone nowadays, and they'll know who Hogan is. That that's I mean just because of how marketable he was and stuff like that. That's not my argument at all, mm-hmm. but nor do I feel he doesn't deserve a spot in it at all. He he revolutionized what wrestling was and what it is.
5: So I'll say I have a lot of respect for a lot of guys on this list, all of the guys on this list, and you're going to hear me say a lot of things that sound similar, and I'll try to make sure I point out the differences. But bar none, hands down, Hulk Hogan, is the best overall wrestler of all time.
6: Uh- do you mean into overall wrestler as in? Overall
5: professional wrestler. Okay,
6: but you don't mean he's the best in terms of I'm not saying or no, the best. I'm not, so You're I'm just saying, saying him, in
5: general. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying he's the best promo. I'm not saying he's the most technical wrestler. I'm not saying he's the most. Now, mind you, if he watches
6: Japan stuff, he is actually pretty damn good in the ring.
5: But, you know. Ichiban, Ichiban. Well, he, I mean, he was, he was taught like any other wrestler. But, uh, you know, if you hear anything now, you, you listen to Hulk or you, even if you listen to uh, Brother Love, as I still call him, um, what mm-hmm. he did is what Vince said. This is what you do and don't don't sway away. That's what we want to mm-hmm. see. I think Hulk,
1: Hulk was, Hulk was just kind of like that new mold. Whenever he showed it up, it was just like, you know, you had the older generation of wrestlers and then all of a sudden this massive guy comes in. And he became like this staple of. Well, wow, this, yeah, this I means this is the future. This is you know this is the future of what wrestling is going to look like. Is Hulk think Hogan. about
0: the think about the culture shock of those people for, to go from Bob Backlund. Yeah. To Hulk Hogan, you and then know?
6: you're seeing this like, like massive. Go, yeah, all the guys were kind of the same, right? Or yeah. good, good and bad, and then Hogan comes in, and then we're all crying when Earthquake crushes him.
5: But yeah, well,
1: <laughs> Hogan was. PTSD man. from my
5: childhood still.
1: Yeah, he, Hogan was the man from from the time I started watching as a kid until the time he decided to leave the WWF to go to WCW. Now, that short little period of time where he was just got to WCW and hadn't turned heel yet, I despised him.
0: That uh, was, rough. It was foul,
1: I just, rough. I despised was... his gimmick. It was so done and over with, and watered down, and I was just like, I was begging for them to turn him heel. And when he came out there at Bash of the Beach and dropped that leg, I had I literally welled up with tears because I just knew how bad that he was gonna be, mm-hmm. and how great it was gonna be to see him as a heel. Because even whenever you look back at Rocky 3, and he and he was a heel, kind of in the in
5: the movie, I was just like, this is, I love him being the heel. I so, love it. So one thing that that I tell a lot of people one of the reasons and there there's a million but one of the reasons Hogan was so over is he was your first bad guy good guy. Even when he was the white meat baby face, you remember he was clawing people's backs, mm-hmm. he was grabbing the ref, don't you stop that. Um you know, so Hogan even as 100% white meat baby face was still Oh, yeah, I had
0: I had this very conversation with Chad Austin from ECW on on our segment. We talked about um, the Hall of Fame with his segment. Hulk Hogan was always a heel.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: He was just, you know, the heel. If you look at the way he wrestled and the way his matches went down and everything, he was always a heel. He just uh, placated exactly. to the fans. So, yeah. so
5: I always say, you know, and, and you fast forward to Stone Cold and sorry, I, I know I don't want to. But, we'll
0: just yeah, how about we'll just talk about him next.
5: Right, right. All I'm saying was Hogan was kind of a, a much milder version, but Hogan was, I would say, the skeleton of what Stone Cold almost turned into. Be. Let's mm-hmm. follow our list down. Let's. Hold not on. One, one more thing, and, and y'all can stop me because I'll go on with Hogan forever. Yeah, yeah. we need to. Yeah, we stop. The other reason he got big, and uh, you know, I'm the guy who says WWE is not what it would be without Vince and Hogan. And and they had to have both, not one over the other, mm-hmm. like they were the team. Um, and I'm sure a lot was on both of them. But he was also your first pop culture guy, right? Yep. Before him, it's like you said, he Bob Backlin, straight edge, good guy, 100%. And then you had Hulk Hogan's, oh, rock and roll, which yep. we laugh at now. but And at those times, rock and roll was very edgy. And, oh, mm-hmm. we don't like rock and roll if we're good guys, you know, so... All right, I'll let, uh, we can go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, the I,
0: next, I've got enough.
5: Yeah, let, let's move on.
0: The next inductee was actually the only man that everyone who got a ballot voted for, and that was Ric Flair.
6: That, there's no argument there. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the best so, in the ring mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, he, he, could, he could go out and work for an hour or two. Um, his promo skills just beyond before his time. I mean, just there's just too much not to say about Ric Flair. Um, I I, If he wasn't, I would say if he wasn't in WCW um, and he was in the WWF for that run, he would be bigger than Hogan.
1: I just think that out of any of them, and I'm talking about any of them, because you're looking at a huge fan of Ric Flair, he could take a guy out of the daggone stands, drag him in the ring, and make him look like a high-caliber pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. That's how good he was. Agreed. I agree. Oh, I could yeah. literally climb the wall, jump in the ring with Brick Flair, and it would be probably some of the greatest television you've ever seen because of him. So to me, that just oozes greatness because he made everybody around him, especially in the ring – greater than what they really probably were. And then when you did pair him up with somebody that was as good of a wrestler as him, it was... Dusty uh, Rhodes. Yeah. It was legendary. So kudos to Mr. Flair because, like I said, you can't touch him when it comes to that, when it comes to him grabbing the mic and, and strutting his stuff as... The nature boy, whether he was a heel or not, he and was question. always he was always on that line of being a heel or a babyface. So it didn't matter what he did; it was just like he was crapping freaking golden eggs.
0: And a, a question I'll ask to you guys or pose to you guys to kind of to kind of pl- piggyback on what Rocky was saying: No matter how much we would love say, if you know my favorite my favorite wrestler of all time, eh, it. it varies, but a lot of times it's Randy Savage, maybe maybe Bret Hart, but or or McFoley. Or, or, McFoley. or <laughs> I mean it, it, Magic's love for Hulk Hogan or or Goldie's love for DiBiase or what have you. The question I pose to you guys is if we're looking at pro wrestling as a whole in its history, was there ever a guy that personified world champion better than Ric Flair? You okay. know, I mean Ric Flair is what the world champion is to me. I'd Whether say he's,
6: in the Japan world, Liger mm-hmm. in the Japan world would be would be the flair of Japan, right? Right. Um, Maybe
0: Liger or Chono, yeah.
6: If you were doing different, you know, I mean, if you were an older, even older than our generation, you'd say Runo, San Martino.
0: Or Jack Brisco. Yeah.
6: You because know, he sold out Madison Square Garden, he sold out every arenas he went to, and he held the belt for what, how many years?
0: <laughs> the first I think Ever. the first reign was seven. Yeah. If
5: you ask old school workers themselves, they're gonna tell you Harley.
1: Right? Harley
6: was good, and then everyone was scared of him backstage, even Andre. It yeah. was
1: almost like Harley <laughs> passed the torch over to flares, like exactly. here. Mm-hmm. Turn. Yeah.
5: So this is where I'm, when I talked about earlier how you're gonna hear me say stuff that sounds very similar. When someone asks me. Take out your bias. Who's the best wrestler of all time? I will say Ric Flair. Um, not that I like him the best or he's my right. favorite, but no one, in my opinion, is better than Flair because he put on 60-minute matches n- Multiple nights in a row, and he did that for thirty years straight. You know, before he was winding down,
0: he got a good match out of Rufus R. Jones. There's a deep, <laughs> a deep dig there for you guys, but I mean, really, I mean that's speaks to the testament of his ability.
6: Now, if you go back to 1990, and um, if we had internet and, and StreamYard, we'd be sitting here with with a little bit lighter voices, and we'd be <laughs> saying, Oh, Hogan's the greatest of all time." <laughs> Because in 1990, okay. no one liked Flair because he was the biggest heel.
5: Mm-hmm. And well, everyone my, loved Hogan. You know, at, in my childhood at least, um, not saying one's better than the other, just WCW, NWA was not as big. It wasn't as well known. Okay. It was even more regional when I was a kid. so on where
6: you lived, really, too, though. Because remember, well, uh, like, where I lived, region. WCW was on every Saturday. but Right, right yes. after Highway to Heaven. I don't know why I watched that show <laughs> as a kid, but I watched it.
0: Maybe because Michael I'm like, hurry hair. up and go off.
5: Hurry up and go off. So I, I mean, how, how can you
0: not want to watch Michael Landon's hair? So, really? so when
5: I was a little kid, I, w- I was just a poor little kid, and we didn't have cable. There's no WCW on public TV. There was only Saturday Superstars, so I could keep up with WWF. Now once once we got the, you know, the twenty foot <laughs> satellite dish out in the yard. And I was like, ooh, what's this TBS stuff? And I could watch – I didn't even know there was – I mean, I would read about them in the magazines, but I didn't really know.
6: You mean satellite dishes where if you fart, they'd go out?
1: <laughs> I was kind of blessed. We, as soon as there was cable available, we we had to get it. We my had – we
6: had, we had My dad was Comcast. a TV buff. And it wasn't Comcast. It was – what did they used to call it before it was Comcast? Was it always Comcast? It was – and, and and then one year we kind of stepped it up a notch and we had that weird box we bought from a close friend that had the switch on the back and you turn on the pay-per-view and go click.
1: And the pay-per-view would come on. <laughs>
0: yeah. The next yeah, guy. The... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Just,
1: just a quick thing. I just consider Flair and Hogan, you know, and this is an obvious statement as two separate types of wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's agree. I agree to that. You had Hogan, who was the ultimate fan favorite. He was the all American boy. He was the good guy versus the bad guy. He was always billed as usually that. And then you had the you had flair that would stop at nothing. Relentless, whether he was a heel, whether he was not a heel. Relentless. To have that gold around his
5: waist at all costs. Mm-hmm.
4: With a tear oh. in
5: my eye. Oh, I mean, just so one thing that that I tell I tell younger people today um, is one thing that I think all four of us was very lucky to have is we were able to come up when wrestling still wasn't a hundred percent open business. Mm-hmm. Right. And people don't get it. Like you know, nowadays, people are like, "Oh, I like the bad guys because they know," you know, like they know it's a work. But when when I was little. There was, I mean, there was the few, but no one liked Ric Flair. No go, like, that means he's doing his job. <laughs> yeah. That, he would be like, oh, I hate him. That, that guy always wins, but you know, I, I'll give it to him. He's good, but I hate him. You oh, like Tom Brady. No offense. <laughs> Tom, so, I mean. Oh, I hate Tom. I can't stand the guy. You're he right. He is a great, but I can't stand him. Right. No. So, I mean. He, Let's I, not even I, get you know, into that. Ric <laughs> Flair is that last guy who was truly hated, not. Because it wasn't open, you know, like it is now. Well, Kayfabe was, you know,
1: 100% a priority back then. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, if it if it works in their favor, sure. But now it's just like, it's all watered down. And, yeah, the magic is uh, gone. Not
5: you. And I tell, when I tell people who aren't in wrestling, like my coworkers, about how the Wild Samoans went to jail because they weren't allowed to speak English... They they can't fathom that, you know?
6: (laughs) Uh, When I tell people that Haku bit some guy's nose off, they can't fathom that either. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I miss it. The
0: next next inductee is uh, someone that I definitely voted for, and that was The Undertaker. Yep. Um, No no discussion there. Longevity. The, yeah, I was gonna say the biggest one for me, the biggest criteria that he met for me was the being of significance to a territory or a promotion for an extended period of time, 30 years. And he had not only his initial career, but then you you talk about after WCW's gone, after ECW's gone, when it's just the WWE, that's all there is that's left since then. I know we've had TNA and AEW, but I'm getting to my point, I swear. He was, in these modern era of WrestleManias, I'd say since WrestleMania 23, when they first started, you know, Vince said, no more arenas, WrestleMania is only going to be in stadiums. The stadium era of WrestleMania, half of those WrestleManias to 75% of them, the big draw of WrestleMania was not the championship, it was the streak. Yep. You know, so I mean... And that's my biggest case for him. I know we're not going to argue about nobody's going to say Undertaker in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's not going to happen. But I'm just saying that was my biggest takeaway: was the, the the his he was such a sustaining character and has been a bigger draw than a lot of the champions that have been alongside him over the years. Definitely. Yeah, I'd
6: say the only thing only thing that I did not like about the Undertaker, and people disagree, and that's okay is the whole, from the American Badass stuff. Um, I liked it briefly when he did the heel run, when he wanted everyone to respect him. You know, that was Mm -hmm. pretty good. Booger Red's great.
3: Booger Red's great. (laughs) But
6: uh, the, uh, because I was biased though, it's not really that the character was bad or the matches weren't good or whatever, but it was more so, and mind you, I could have done without uh, Undertaker versus the A-Train in the big show at WrestleMania. I could have totally done without that match. I think that should be gone off his record. But um, other than that, my bias towards the dead man character and then how he changed it, the different variations, you know, demon, phenom, Ministry of Darkness, you know, he changed it up. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no argument for me there. There's not one person in the industry that has a bad word to say about him. He might... um, he might have been super angry about the – he might have angered some people recently with some of his comments about saying it became soft or what have you. But
4: uh, other than that, uh,
6: there's an argument.
1: I just think he took the character and molded it to the time period that he was in. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's – as I remember when he first started out as the taker and uh, the whole fact that he was considered invincible and unstoppable – and you can't kill him is what made it work so much better. Mm-hmm. It was, and that was a lot of the things back then, even with you know some of the gimmicks that were not as flashy or not as you know successful. Cool. Yeah, you know, you had Zeus, and I remember when Zeus came in and he was just kind of playing that same role as Invincible, and Hogan couldn't hurt him, and all that stuff. That's what made it so great because it was a buildup. Mm-hmm. It was a build-up to, I don't know what Hogan's going to do. This guy is going to kill him. He's, right. he's, and, and, it, and the storytelling and everything back then was so simple, but it, it was just, as a kid, it made them, you know, like Greek gods. It made them look like that Hogan, is, especially with, you know, with even going up against The Undertaker and going up against, you know, some of the bigger guys. When they made characters Unstoppable and larger than life. That's what made the storytelling so much better because it was still just the basic good versus evil. And when Undertaker came in, we were just like, everybody was just standing back like, Oh, this guy is scary. And he just kept coming. It was, it was basically Jason without a mask. Exactly. He just kept coming and coming and coming. And it, and that's just, that was what I loved about the gimmick when they first started out and, and Brother Love brought him out and he was just so lifeless and it looked like they just pulled him off of the, the meat tray out of the morgue.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The makeup was great, yeah.
1: And the ma- the makeup was basic. There was nothing to it. They put the paste basic. on him and, mm-hmm. and gave him a couple purple purple slashes and put him in a daggone uh, pulpit. They gave him that
6: cherry curl type hair. Oh, the yeah.
1: And, and, and like I said, it, for him to take that simple character that worked so well back in the 80s and then, you know, constantly transition it into the times that we were living in mm-hmm. and make it work on a level so many different times. And then after 30 years, it's still alive that I don't think it'll ever be done ever again. No, I, just, no, I, just don't I see got it. a
6: very important question before I let Magic go, and it's going to be something that you might have to think about. Would the Undertaker be – he might have still been great, don't get me wrong. Would he be as big as he is if he didn't get Paul Bearer?
1: You're saying if he stayed with, like, Brother Love?
6: If he stayed with Brother Love or got a different manager or whatever the case may be, if he I don't never think, got I don't Paul Bear.
0: I don't think so. I think I think you're onto something because I think that in that first year to year and a half, even two years that he was the Undertaker, he he, there was no reason for him to speak for himself. He was a
1: hired henchman.
0: Yeah, the way the character was. So him and Paul Bearer is the package.
1: It just it was a serial talk. character because when they first
0: talk. let's be honest, guys, when they first brought that character in, you know what Vince saw? He saw a guy that's going to get. Um, a run with Hogan and then be gone. I mean, the, you, you look at the way that he was booked, that that was Vince's thinking, I think. But like I said, being in that in that unit with Paul Bearer to what kind of what David I think was alluding to is was very beneficial for that character because it kept it it kept the steam going.
1: I think that the it would have ran out of gas if Brother Love continued to be the guy. I think it was cool at first when Brother Love, because he was kind of doing his own thing on the side as well. They were kind of looking for that manager to represent the taker. So they were just trying to feel him out at first when they first brought him in. I believe it was a you know Survivor Series. But then you it's just like two peas in a pod. Once they brought Percy in as Paul Bearer, it took what was something that was already great here Mm -hmm. took it up to here because now it's holy crap. This is like believable now because now we have the total package. Now we have the the freaking funeral parlor and we have, you know, the guy running the place and the guy that's embalming people. So it just, when they brought him in and then they, and I just think it was, They were so complimentary of each other and there was nothing, you know, out there that could have been changed or made it any better at the time because it was just absolutely a perfect relationship between him and Paul Bearer. Mm -hmm. I don't think he could have done it with anybody else. John. Did we lose him? He's frozen. He's frozen.
6: Look Uh, at his face, how he agrees with us. (laughs) He's like, are you there? you good? All right, (laughs) I'm back.
5: back. It's it's stopped out. Can you all hear me now? Yeah, we're good. Yes. So so here's uh, my answer to Gold's question real quick is I agree with you 100%. I think Paul Bearer would have been great. And and I don't mean Paul Bearer. I mean uh, Percy. And I think Undertaker would have been great. But both of those guys, it was like the one in a million chance that they linked up. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think either of them would have done as well as they did with anyone else. You know, I think yeah, it was a perfect sure. matchup. Um, Paul Bearer was basically the exact opposite of the Undertaker. Undertaker was tall, strong, athletic. Paul Bearer short, fat, and can't move really. Um, kind of
1: like uh, Krang, is it Krang from Teenage <laughs> yes.
5: Mutant Ninja Turtles? That's great. Um, Undertaker That's- was quiet, especially at first. Remember, he didn't say anything. Often.
6: I and like first- when I like that WrestleMania though, when he's measuring him, he's like, <laughs>
5: <laughs> "Yeah." And, and you know what? Undertaker didn't say anything so much, and. This is me as a little kid. When Suburban Commando came out, me and all my friends was like, is that how he really sounds? <laughs> is that how the Undertaker really sounds?
6: Um, and I love how he built so many caskets
5: all the time. Like, he's building your casket. He's building it. For and some something. reason, it looks exactly like the last time he was building it for the <laughs> other guy. He's just
1: repurposing. <laughs>
5: um, but it's Undertaker, cool. quick, um, I don't think there's anything that we can say right. Uh, The best gimmick of all time. There is no gimmick that beats The Undertaker. And a quick offshoot on that is if I told y'all Undertaker's gimmick without knowing anything about The Undertaker, everyone would say that's ridiculous and it will never work. Okay guys, what I'm going to do is going to have a guy come in, you're going to hit him, he's going to no sell everything. He's just going to sit up. He's going to have magic power. Sometimes lightning comes down, you know, he turn off the lights, he disappears, comes and goes. He's magic. Y'all be like, "Okay, that ain't going to work, buddy." <laughs> I just <laughs> like the I just like all. the
1: uh invincible aspect of his character. I just thought that was no matter what you hit him with, if you hit him with 20 chairs, you hit him with a car, it didn't matter It's because he was dead, right? He was yeah, dead. he was. We all he, believed that he was just. You already wrong. had
5: two other characters that were invincible too, but you know. And you know, we we we'd already had, we had Hogan who would Hulk up. We'd have Warrior who would Hulk up. Only it was the Warrior, yeah. and um, but we never had a guy who just set up, right? Yeah. Like they were <laughs> oh, they get pumped, and that's how they go. Well, Undertaker was just like, oh, okay, that was nice. You hit me you know and i'm sitting up now
1: um, like i said it was just it was like they took the persona of a slasher movie and brought it into the ring
5: you're you're right you nailed it when you said jason it, it reminds me of every time jason gets killed and just here he comes same um, with
1: michael myers here he comes
5: just, and then i think the the other thing that everyone would probably agree on is that hands down most respected wrestler there is multiple guys who are retired right now who if they heard undertaker had said something to them or about them or they didn't or undertaker didn't think they should be doing this they would quit it right then i mean he still Mm -hmm. just has that kind of clout we've all heard the wrestler court stories and all that and i just know he still holds that much clout where if he shows up it doesn't matter who the leader of the locker room is right now um all about respect exactly Mm -hmm.
0: Next Bobby, Heen, Bobby Heenan is our next inductee. <laughs> um, Second best I,
6: manager of all time. First best announcer of all time.
0: Anybody that has ever listened to the We Can't Wrestle podcast is completely tired of listening to me talk about the greatest greatness that is Bobby Heenan. So I'm going to let you guys discuss Bobby Heenan.
5: Well, I know if anyone has heard me talk, Bobby Heenan, in my opinion, is the best performer Mm -hmm. in wrestling history did not matter what job you gave him he was going to nail it and you know obviously I don't know but I do listen to a lot of guys you know their podcasts or their interviews on Bobby and I would say from them 90 to 95 percent of iconic Bobby moments is 100% Bobby, you know, they didn't tell him get on that camel backwards and ride down little stuff that, that you wouldn't even think of, but here it is how many years later. And if I watch it, I'm still cracking up, you know I mean? And uh, he could wrestle. Um, He never had a great wrestler's body, but he could work. He could go. And a lot of times he was a bumping machine and could work way better than whatever, wrestler he was managing so i will i mean he's my favorite i could listen to him call matches all day i could watch him wrestle i could watch him manage it doesn't matter what he does he's gonna do an amazing job
0: i i'm sorry i don't one of my favorite things is royal rumble 92 all right roddy piper roddy piper starts helping rick flair and bobby's like oh piper Piper, I'm so sorry. You're great. All those years, I—it's a kilt. It's a kilt. And then he turns on—he turns on Flair, and Bobby's like, "You skirt wearing son of a." I just—I love it, man. It's one of the great. Whose like, side is he
4: on?
1: It was night in and night out watching Bobby Heenan basically take the WWF and turn it into a comedy show. Him and Gorilla going at it. Oh, yes. For four hours, <laughs> nonstop. It was just, why don't you just shut up and eat a banana? I mean, it was just constant. He was so freaking quick. He was so freaking witty and funny. Nobody could beat him to the punch. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. He, he. It was just that quickness about him. He would just... If so, if he seen something, it was just like a spark went off in Heenan's brain, and it just started rifle through all of his jokes and and witty banter, and he could deliver in an instant. And it, and I bet you couldn't count a thousand or a, or ten thousand of his funniest quotes. I mean, there's so many of them. And I don't know. As a kid, I hated him. I mean, everybody oh, yeah. hated him. He was the weasel. I I hate him
5: because he was always against Hogan. Yeah, he was always against against the good good guy. He was was the best at
1: exactly that. He was the best heel manager that you could possibly ask for because he was a sniveling, whiny, cowardly Mm. little snake. But the way he portrayed it was so spot on that it – Probably will never, ever, ever be duplicated in my book because, like I said, it was just, and everybody was just always rooting for him for somebody to get it to get their hands on him and and give him a good whack. But it was just you know even the after interviews like after his guy lost like when Flair lost the, the title to Savage at WrestleMania eight, and he's back there and he's just he's absolutely frantic,
0: bonkers, yeah, and and
1: he's just. You know, he's just flying around like a chicken with his head cut off and it's just absolute chaos. But he it was just like he was born to do that. He was born to just irritate people to the point where they couldn't stand him. But as I got older I loved him because he was always that smart ass that I wanted it to be. So kudos to Bobby Heenan. I think he's probably one of the greatest showman mm-hmm, in, exactly. the, in, a, in the manager spot especially of all time because it didn't matter who his wrestlers was yeah. it's still it was always weasel it was always it Bobby, Bobby Bob card, card, yeah, he card, could come yeah. out there uh with you know lenny powerful and and make a show an extravagant you know extravaganza out of it and like i said i just i miss him i i miss his banter i miss his wit and I, I never did get the opportunity to meet Bobby, but it's—it was always, you know, even today. I, and when I go back and I watch all the old matches with him, and I—and I—I laugh to this day whenever him and Gorilla are commentating. <laughs> yes. And mm-hmm. It was
5: just a treat. Why don't you just shut up, Bobby? It was. Oh crazy. yeah.
6: What hey, do you know One more party.
5: One thing I did like and, and to kind of branch off where you said, you know, it didn't matter who he came down with. He was still the weasel, which was very true. But one thing he was amazing at was whoever he came down with was kind of a different version of himself. You know, like the way he came down with Andre, you'd think Bobby Brain was the biggest man in the room. The way, right. the way he came down with Perfect, I mean, they just clicked where, where – Bobby the Brain Heenan was just as perfect too you know I mean well, he, Yeah he he, it didn't he, matter a, who he had. I got
1: it I got a word for you I know what exactly what he was He was a he was a dag chameleon is what he was With with he when he was perfect when he was with perfect he was exactly that he was an extension of who he was representing so whenever he was with perfect then he was the perfect manager whenever he was with Andre he was the biggest manager exactly and, so, is,
6: and i could i bet if you look up his win loss record you wouldn't even know that he probably lost more than he won obviously because he was with heels right and the heels lose um he did you know just watch his hall of fame speech in 2004 it's probably one of the best hall of fame speeches i've ever seen
5: um, hey, and i'll say kudos to david gold because he put me on that man and i maybe once every month or two months, I, st- I pull it up and I watch it again because Gold's not wrong. He put me onto that because you know that was before the Hall of Fame was quite as mainstream.
6: Yeah.
5: You know, and I love it, man. And he's like,
6: he's like, are we getting paid for this? <laughs> no. Well, I'm <laughs> drinking then. <man. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to me, the great- he's the best, he's the greatest showman of all time. He's the, he's the greatest um, ring announcer of all time. Obviously, he had Gorilla and um, the body. He had some great people with him, of course. And, of course, my biasness, I I choose him as my second favorite manager, obviously, because I feel Paul Bearer is the best manager. Um, But in terms of overall work and scope of work, there's never going to be another Bobby Heenan, ever. 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 Ever.
0: And a good good segue.
5: That stuff was amazing.
0: A like good segue here, from what John was saying about Bobby, um, chameleoning himself to the guy that he was managing, our next inductee, Andre the Giant.
6: Yep. I mean, the only guy that can fart for what two minutes straight.
1: That's what Jake said.
6: <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, you okay? I'm good now." <laughs> um, Andre Keep the out. Giant is one of the uh, is one of the only. In my opinion, there's a lot of wrestlers that you'll go and say, oh, that's amazing. But there's not one person in the industry that, I mean, even after he's passed, would have the nerve to say anything negative about Andre. They just don't, they just, there's only two people that Andre was a little, wouldn't dominate backstage, and that's Harley Race and Haku. Mm -hmm. Um, Haku bit a guy's nose off, so obviously, I mean, I'd be scared of Haku too. (laughs) But Andre, Andre, and earlier in his career, he was athletic. He was awesome, and then he when he went heel, and went with Bobby Heenan. What are, what are you doing with him, Andre? I mean, the storytelling, mm-hmm. the ripping the cross off Hogan's chest, leaving the blood right there. I mean, God, like Andre's just there's just nothing I can say bad about him. I mean, his matches as in the latter part of his career. I mean, some the other guys had to carry him a little bit. But even then, I mean, he—you just knew this guy's huge. This is great, and he was the first Hall of Fame inductee. Well deserved.
5: Definitely, absolutely. I mean, think of it. Still, uh, what's this? What's that like? Online show now that WWE does. Their little social media show. I forget what it's called, but they had one right before Royal Rumble. Yeah, the bump, and Hogan was on there, and you know they asked him because obviously the anniversary of Andre's passing. And I mean, Hogan still calls him the boss and, and Hogan, you know, shared some stories about when he was, he was newer in the business. So he was basically like, I was Andre's little gopher, you know, whatever Andre wanted, <laughs> I got. And, but uh, it doesn't matter. Like Vince, Vince, you know, there's not many men that Vince would bend to, I guess is a good way to say it, but Andre was one. And uh, like, it's just didn't matter. You you know, we always talk about the traveling giant because it wouldn't work today. You know, everyone always says that. But Andre was just such a different class. And even there at the end when he couldn't move as much, whatever, he was still able to take that and turn it into the, you know, I I know I've told Gold before, but I was the little kid who 100% believed every storyline and yep. and Andre oh, yeah. never got knocked off his feet till WrestleMania three with Hogan. Never slammed, never yeah. Never, yeah. Slammed. never beaten, undefeated. Yeah, undefeated
1: for years and years. Um who was it The fr- actually first slammed Was that Patera? Who was it?
0: Uh was it was it actually uh Harley. Yeah. Was a Harley
1: race? Yeah, Hogan
0: and,
6: slammed him before in the yeah, earlier Hogan
0: when Andre was him. face. He got I was going to mention, if you don't know the true scope of Andre's career to um, to read the new uh, the autobiography that came out about him last year, because it also shows you the scope of his career before before the WWF, you know, Montreal and, and right. traveling through the territories. And actually, okay. I, I don't think technically um, I don't think. Harley was even the first one to slam him because I think it, I read in the book, you know, when he was when he was still uh uh what, Jean Jean Fierre or whatever he was called, he got slammed like, up in Montreal Also, I
1: thought I was thinking Kamala was one the one that slammed him. Kamala
0: slammed him before did. Hogan did to my, Kamala yeah.
1: slammed him when he was heavy without
0: entree's
5: consent.
0: Yeah. Just
5: grabbed <laughs> well, him there's a him. whole
0: story in the book about that.
1: But
5: I will, I will say, like, no, he wasn't all the other slams, he wasn't near the size he was, and
1: oh yeah, he you know, was huge
5: there. But but a quick story on that, I don't know if y'all have heard it. Um, when Harley passed away, they brought on uh, something I was listening to. Brought on some of his students and some of wrestlers, and they asked him. They said, "Hey Harley, did uh because you know Harley suplexed him and slammed him, and they said Harley, did y'all talk about that in the in the uh, back? And like Gold was saying that Andre respected Harley. Harley was like. Nah, it's bullshit. I called it in the ring. <laughs> i like, do it. Do, do it. <laughs> Go do ahead, uh. boss.
6: And then, of course, the whole, you know, remember when he was, um. Like, now, I'm, now I'm like losing my mind. Um, Bad News, when he was Bad News, what was his name? Before he was Bad News Brown, what was his name?
0: Bad News Allen. Thank you.
6: The story of how he got the Bad News Brown name. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's Andre,
5: and
6: Andre has yeah, yeah. a spit on his chest and then has diarrhea on his chest and, and then Bam Bam's dying laughing and, and
1: Brown's like
6: get off of me get off of me
1: <laughs> but honestly with with Andre it was a spectacle yeah I mean it was it was that feeling whenever you went to the carnival Or circus or whatever, and you had the bearded lady and you had the world's strongest man, you had goat boy, and he was he was just a Yeah, he was I don't want to call him a freak. He wasn't a freak of nature. He was he was just a specimen that would never be duplicated. I mean, there's always gonna be big guys out there, but there's never there's never going to be another Andre the giant because that's exactly what he was I mean he was literally the giant right and then even when they tried to bring in you know big show and all that stuff and tried to say oh he's, you know he's giants kid blah 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 now it just it's not the same because it was almost like uh, Jack and the Beanstalk to me as mm-hmm. a kid Andre was the the giant at the top of the beanstalk. And nobody was going to, you know, touch him. Nobody was was man uh, enough. Nobody was man enough to go toe-to-toe with him.
6: And you could feel the respect. The respect was just.
1: Even as a fan,
6: you could feel feel the respect.
1: And that's what, you know, when I was a kid and and we're getting ready to go in to watch, you know, WrestleMania 3 and Hogan's going up against the Giant. And I'm just like, I'm basically telling myself, there's no way. That Hogan
5: wins. No way. Exactly. So, what I thought, even, I mean, and I'm young, even as a little kid, it was like, there's the world champion, but that's just because Andre doesn't want it.
1: Right. You know, he tried to give it away once. He never, <laughs>
5: yeah. And that's Hogan, that's a key
6: point to that storyline. Hogan said, if you wanted a shot, you could have asked for it. You know, yeah. that's a good key element into that story that Andre never challenged him or asked for a shot, but then all of a sudden, I'm going to go to Heenan because he gave him that little teeny trophy instead of the big trophy. Okay. I'm going to go to Heenan, and that's it. And then Hogan, you could have asked if you wanted one brother, and Hogan didn't mean that either. He didn't want to challenge Andre.
1: <laughs> no, he, he would rather be on Andre's team than, than right. go against him.
5: I mean, and I uh, think all of us who were old enough to at least halfway be able to watch and know the wrestling, I think all of us thought, yeah, there's the world champion. But if Andre wanted it at any point, it's his, you know. Well,
1: yeah, oh, yeah, he'd just walk up and take it.
5: I'd yeah, argue exactly. that Andre actually won that match, too.
6: Bobby Heenan with his deathbed. Andre won that match. He pinned <laughs> him. He
4: pinned
1: him. <laughs> yeah, it was, there again, one of the guys in in history that I feel fortunate as, you know, an old guy now to say, hey he was part of my childhood. That was something yeah. that, yeah. that a lot of people will never get to experience.
0: I mean, I, I think there's an argument to be made that he, and you could say he, and at least in the modern era of wrestling, not going back to the territories or what have you, but Andre and the undertaker are the two greatest attractions. In Very
1: wrestling. much so. You know,
0: you know, they're, they're on that same, that same level. Um, our next inductee, and this is the one guy, and as much as I am a huge fan, this is the one guy that's in this list, and I can explain myself after you guys discuss it, that I don't think is first first class of the Hall of Fame Hall of Famer. Not that he's not a Hall of Famer, but I would not put him in my first class. And that's Randy Savage. Oh, get and out! I of will. Here. I will get explain. I, I will explain myself. Uh, you guys discuss. I have to. I have to go for just a minute. I'll be right back. Yeah. Go you Go you
6: know after that comment. <laughs> you, you, how dare you? How dare you? I'm, I'm speechless. I'm speechless, Randy. What's he Sav- doing? Taking a piss break? I, I I don't know what he's doing. Maybe rethinking what he just said. I guess I don't <laughs> I have no idea. Second
1: guessing, coming back on camera.
6: I don't know, but Randy Savage...
1: Was exactly that. I, Savage.
6: If there, if if Hogan wasn't there, Savage is the guy. All I, day long. Same thing in WCW. If Hogan wasn't there, Savage is the guy. The I, macho Man, Randy Savage, was amazing on the mic, a great storyteller, not, and I would argue that... In three different WrestleManias, he was the best match on the card. And, and the way, Canada.
1: and I and I agree somewhat with that. I I feel that Randy Savage by himself, without a Hulk Hogan, is that guy. Is that number one guy that Vince would have taken under his wing and brought him straight up to. Yep. Glory.
6: Yep, and he should have done it when Hogan left.
1: And I hate that for for Savage because now granted, whenever they finally clashed at WrestleMania five, that was a perfect, perfect storm. Yep. Because honestly, I think those two gentlemen right there could have easily swapped spots in history. Yep. Don't get me wrong. I think I think Hogan was the best at the time and then Savage slowly come up behind him. But I think that Randy had that potential to be greater, if not, you know, the same or greater than what Hogan was with that same push. Because they both shared that kind of larger than life personas. Except for Randy was absolutely you know, batshit crazy.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: He didn't. It made Randy, him even better. Randy didn't ooze that uh, all-American, you know, gimmick that Hogan did. Randy portrayed that crazy friend of yours that you went to the bar with, and he ended up beating up six guys while you were there. Because was, he was. He, he was, feel, he was he that crazy. Pain. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Could, I'll so, let you go first, Magic. When Rocky's done, and then I got a question for you, gentlemen.
1: Okay. So to to say that Randy, I just think he a little bit. I mean, this is just me being honest. Just my opinion. He he definitely was a little bit um, trapped behind Hogan's shadow a little bit.
4: Yeah.
1: I think they were both great. They were both good athletes. They both had that, you know push that steam, you know, behind them to, to go to the top. And, you know, like I said, they were destined to clash. It was inevitable. So the storytelling that they did with those two guys really complimented each other because they were a lot alike.
4: Yep.
1: They were they now, you know, I think as a wrestler, I think Randy Savage was probably a better technical wrestler than Hogan was. He was definitely a high flyer. He was definitely not afraid to get to that top rope. Um, I don't think he had as, you know, the strength and the size that Hogan had. But I think he he did really well with what he was given. I think. I'd he,
6: argue he's better on the mic too, but.
1: Well, and it depended on the situation. I think Randy was better on the mic whenever yeah. he was pissed off. It's true whenever he was trying to be a a baby face i think he struggled a little bit but i think whenever he finally decided well i'm going to be a heel I, you couldn't touch him on the mic
0: one of I the mean, one of the greatest wrestling promos ever cut is at the tuesday in, the tuesday in texas pay-per-view absolutely after jake roberts puts his hands on elizabeth yeah like there is not a more gut-wrenching promo that you, I mean Randy Savage pulled that from his pulled oh, that from his that, I mean you know what I mean it was you know, so, you know uh, that was so
1: 90, 95% real you know it was yeah you know, ahead, you, know, you know it was a work but yet you know that if Randy could have got his hands on Jake right then and there there would have been a bar fight right there in front mm-hmm. of the mic
5: Yeah. so, so um let me start with saying macho is one of my all-time favorites and, um, though he's not the best ever technical, the best wrestler that way, I kind of think of him as the, um, the grandfather of modern day wrestling. He's really what, when we see wrestling matches now and not to get too in depth into how wrestlers set him up and everything he's, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't hundred percent him, but he is basically set the outline for what we see in a wrestling match now. Now, let me go ahead and also say I 100% disappoint y'all or not disappoint, disagree with y'all when y'all say he'd be Hulk Hogan. I think no way in the world would Macho Man be Hulk Hogan. He wasn't that he was a larger than life personality, he wasn't the larger than life person, right? What tell you what I do think is he could have been Rick Flair. He could have been the WWF version of Ric Flair I think I'm mean, and, and I loved as a kid I loved baby macho but man he was a awesome heel. I loved his heel work I loved his psycho when he'd take off those glasses and there's those eyes and um I, I do think agree it
1: would have been a, I think it'd have been a different kind of push you yeah, yeah. now Hogan you have Hogan the all-American hero push Mm -hmm. and then you have Savage the the vigilante uh psychopath Mm kind of like the Martin Riggs of wrestling you know that lethal weapon Mm -hmm. persona he was just like one minute he's patting you on the back the next minute he's ripping your throat out I mean there was that there was that gray line he always he always hugged that gray line of of whether he wanted to be a heel or what he wanted to be a baby face, he was always right there. And at any moment, that's it. He snapped I mean, went one I way just, or the other.
5: I loved, I loved his psycho bad guy. And he was probably so good at it. Cause it was probably 90%. Oh yeah. You know, it was him. Well, he had but.
6: Sherry too,
5: obviously. I loved, I loved his work with Sherry. Um,
6: yeah. And then the Liz stuff. And then, but here's my question. Um, to you gentlemen. And me and Nate have argued about this a couple times because I think he knows where I'm heading now. WrestleMania 9 and 10, obviously, we we know. And I'm not taking anything away from Yokozuni. He's an amazing individual. His new documentary on the WWE Network is awesome, right? Great guy. Given a gimmick, he, he worked with it well. But here's my point. I feel like Macho Man could still go, and Vince felt otherwise, right? He felt Macho was getting old, I'm going on to new guys, what have you. In my humble opinion, had Vince win another route, let the Macho Man win the Royal Rumble, instead of eliminating himself,
1: like he said. <laughs> <laughs> right? a rope and <laughs> taking off.
6: Let the Macho Man win, and can you imagine the main event... I mean, you could do it at nine or 10, whichever you prefer. I know nine, they gave Hogan the belt again and, and whatever. But let's say we do it at WrestleMania 10 instead of he wrestling Crush, right? Or whatever. He goes on to, and I get you had Luger in the picture, but let's say none of that happened. And you had Luger and Yoko on the mid card, right? And then you put Macho Man and Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. Of course you have to have you can have you can have face versus face or you can have Macho Man as a heel again because he did such a great job. I feel like if Macho Man won that belt, he could have carried the WWF a little better than the time when Bret Hart and HBK carried it. I feel like the ratings would have been better. I feel like the advertisements would have been better. I just feel overall that Macho Man would have been able to carry the WWF on his shoulders at that point in
1: time. I just think Vince gave up on him. I, I there must have been you know too much you know bad blood or whatever, but I just think it just felt like they gave up on him and they were just kind of pushing him out the door. Yep. Like he w- he was a has been, and I'm like, to me, around that time, I thought he was in his prime. I mean, at WrestleMania eight when I was there with my father, and I watched him. That whole storyline with Flair and Elizabeth and show us the per- pictures, Mr. Perfect. We're going to put them up on the big screen. That was true writing and poetry. I loved, I mean, you can't, you can't come up with any kind of angle other than messing with the guy's wife mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. way hey, they Kurt did Kurt it. was
6: perfect. Kurt Henning, all oh. that stuff was, all of eight was perfect. Like it was, See I didn't No pun intended, right? You
4: know,
6: it was all it was and I like, can see yeah. that he loses, he beats Flair for the belt. WrestleMania 9, he loses the belt to Brett, push Brett up to the stars. WrestleMania 10, you have Brett and Macho Man again. Macho regains his title, he carries the WWF, loses it to, to Shawn Michaels, him and Brett feud.
1: I, My think, opinion, they, I think they could have had. They could have had a hell of a storyline with Macho and Brett. I think their two characters would have definitely clashed pretty well. Oh okay, yeah, I mean, and and you could have put them both as heels. You could put them both as faces. Face. It wouldn't have you matter.
4: Do what you, want. you could
6: have done they, you It want. would
1: have just been a you know a pure hatred between the two of them. And you know both of those guys to me came around the same era. I mean, you know, Brett started off and came up through as you know into the tag team scene and all that stuff. While Macho was you know, Mm -hmm. battling for the IC belt and wrestling George the Animal Steel. So, to me, those two guys were still in their primes. They were both. I thought, you know, they would draw really well. And then Mm -hmm. it was just like they just, you know, Vince woke up one day. uh, Man, I'm
6: over it. Let's get a fake diesel, fake razor. (laughs) uh... And then the biggest problem that I had with all of it, with all of it, is you had an opportunity in WCW – to have when hogan turned on macho man with the leg drop you had an opportunity to have one of the biggest feuds ever between those two again where macho man is a face and what do you do you have macho man join the NWO too
1: that was just a downward spiral of all the, guy, all the guys in the back getting tired of being second fiddle to the nwo and if you can't beat them join them and then the next thing you know everybody blinks and oh we're all nwo now he's in
6: hogan's shadow again it's like we're we're all
1: back to square one we're not it's almost like they undid the nwo and we're all back to being just wcw you could have had
6: macho man and and then they killed it at, at one of the big – great bash at the beach, great American bash. Whatever you wanted to do, you could have had Macho out for a while, gets injured by the NWO, comes back, makes that big comeback, right? But I wanted Savage to come again. back
1: and blow up the NWO. That's what I wanted. You screw him
6: again, and you put him in Hogan's shadow again. So we never got our chance to see if Mr. Slim Jim himself could carry it. You know when they finally let Macho Man carry it? 2,000. Yeah. You give him a bunch of valets, and you go here, carry it, for Macho.
1: And he's like, I don't want it.
6: And he was still wrestling great in two thousand. But the problem is, is it was oh, it was six years too late, man. Like it, it, I just can't wrap my head around it. But look, at the end of the day, we we all know Hogan was one, Macho was two. I get that, but that's how it was given to them. Yeah, that's how it was given to them. It could have think-
1: be, it could have easily swayed. I mean, you could have had almost two separate stories, ogan on one side, Macho on the other, just feeding off of each other the whole time. And, and, you know, both sides of your company would have been flourishing. I mean, that's kind of what they did whenever they let Savage have the IC belt. ogan had the world title. It was just it was a nice flow. And then they finally clashed. But then after they clashed, it was just like, you know, Savage's stock just slowly started
6: any he, he best match on the WrestleMania three card best match on the WrestleMania seven card best match on the WrestleMania eight card. Obviously the best match on the WrestleMania five card, right? So Macho Man has been involved in probably four or five, maybe six of the best WrestleMania matches there is.
1: I just think they just, I don't know. I think they ran out of confidence in him and Four two, good point, Danny. Carry WrestleMania four two, and they just—it just seemed like they—they—they they, they were already looking past him, even though he had already put in the work. I just think they were—they
5: were, it, they were it already makes, looking. It makes me believe the macho Stephanie rumor.
1: You never know.
6: Bit. I want to get into that though, a little bit. You never know. You never know. You never know, but at the same, in, in the way Vince treated it at the end, you never know. But then it's the same token as. Long story short, the Ultimate Warrior screwed Vince so many times, and now he has an award and is a martyr and all that stuff. But, Nate, I oh, want to he hear a... your reason now why you think the Macho Man is in a first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: I said first class Hall of Famer, yes. <laughs> and, well, what but let me let me, preface, let me let me preface this by saying he is my favorite professional wrestler of all time. Randy Savage is hands down my favorite wrestler of all time. And I still didn't nominate him for this because looking at my criteria, he didn't meet it. He was, as we have uh, during this conversation, he was always there in the periphery. Here's Hogan. Hogan's on top. He goes to WCW. Who's on top? Hogan, Sting. Savage is always there. He's always in the story. He's always around. But he's never the top. You guy. made
6: magic so mad he had to walk yeah. to the front. <laughs> another dream. Another dream.
0: He's like, well, you, while
1: you Christ. guys discuss this, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a piss real quick. I'll be right <laughs>
0: that, back. And that's my reason. Like I said, he is absolutely hands down my favorite wrestler of all time. But if I'm looking at the criteria that I laid out, he sure. was never. He he he, he didn't. Again, fantastic performer, fantastic wrestler, fantastic promo, and yes, probably next year I would have voted for him. But for this year, looking at the criteria that I had laid out, there were other people that I thought met the criteria more. I guess is, is the way a I little say. bit of
6: sense, but wouldn't you kind of say that? In, that and I Andre think Andre was in Hogan's peripheral
0: for a lot of his run too. I looked at I looked at Andre's entire run like like I said all the all the the draw he was through the 1970s and and I mean I looked at everything the whole career overall and I still put him over Randy based on the criteria well remember
6: there was a lot of moments as well though on your criteria that Hogan was out filming and Macho was kind of carrying it a little Mm -hmm. bit running with the ball so I would say he wasn't in Hogan's peripheral for that I mean I know it was brief Right. right? And that's why they put the belt on Macho Man, probably both times. The second time Hogan was kind of on his in the house and he was feuding with Sid. So they went a different route and Hogan was kind of they were going through all that crap. But I think we're going to be here all night if
0: we continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can just we can move on. We can well, move on, on to well, like, kind of makes
6: sense amazing. what you're saying. You're not saying he's not in the hall of fame. You're just saying that basically he wasn't
0: and, in the and that, in what? that's um, what I think that's what I think is gonna be the most fun thing about this also as years go on because you're going to be like, God damn it. I want to get this guy in, <laughs> you know, like, right. and, or, or you'll have to make a decision. Okay. Who, who like, I had to make a lot of decisions of who am I going to nominate and who am I not? He's never going to get in then. Cause he was never the head, but, okay. but he
5: can get in on ring work, promo work, you know, it's it, the criteria is there.
4: Yeah.
5: So to Nate's point, and a lot of people remember Macho is one of my top five. So I'm not, when I'm about to say this, but it's kind of the truth because of being in Hogan's shadow, Macho Man was not one of the best ever top guys. He just wasn't, right? Because when he did win the title, everyone was like, we just want it back to Hogan. You, know? um, you could say he's one of the best mid-card guys for sure. He carried that IC title. And was one of the best ever. But was
6: everyone really like give the belt back to Hogan, or was that bad <laughs> that wanted them to give the belt back to Hogan? Because when I was a kid, <laughs> I enjoyed Macho Man's run, and I knew Hogan, you know, they made it very clear he was filming a movie. So obviously we all kind of knew Hogan well, they, well, they, I remember, they made that shit.
5: Like sitting around at school, and all of us were like, That tournament was bullshit. Hogan should have won. <laughs> and then finally when I was Macho, happy Andre took Hogan out. <laughs> when, Macho, when Macho turned, and, and I know, and one of the things, and remember, I'm the humongous Hulkamaniac. But one thing that irks me now is people think in today's thinking, and they they refuse to admit what it was like at that time. And oh, at we were We time, were all
6: red, red and yellow. We exactly. all loved Hogan. So
5: everyone was pissed that Hogan got. DQ'd or, or whatever, screwed out of the tournament. And then when Macho turned and we knew they were going to wrestle at WrestleMania, everyone's like, belt's coming home, baby. You know? But
6: remember that most, a lot of the viewers back then as well were also adults like we are now. So you mean the people of our age and then maybe some adults were mad about the Hogan situation. Whereas a lot of the adults were like, finally they put the belt on fucking Macho Man. Like no, we because, would
5: be today. That's how we think now. We think. And that's how they thought then. That's how our parents then, thought then. My then dad was ecstatic. Like like, man, man, then well. it was, gosh, I hope the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl. That's how people thought of professional wrestling. Now we go, oh, well, this is stupid. Creative should do this. Well, <laughs> technically, everybody's creative now.
6: Exactly. The 49ers <laughs> were the the Hulk Hogan's of football okay. back at that
5: time. Right, but, but Back then, it, it was a professional sport. That's the way people looked at it and thought. They're like, I want my favorite guy to win that fight.
6: Man, we want the Bills to lose again for the fourth straight year. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see a guy go to WrestleMania and challenge for the belt four years in a row and lose. That's a
1: good story. See, there's so much much talk and information and everything out there nowadays with social media. Uh, Unfortunately, kayfabe would not survive. You're correct. I mean, back, back then you could hide behind closed doors and and write the stories and, I mean, there was no way of a leaking out. Now
6: well, it's MJF, he's K- well, he's, a, he's a dick all the time.
1: Yeah, that's fine, and I appreciate his,
6: you know. Oh, he'll smack a paper out of a little kid's hand. I love it.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that because you know that's that's old school to me, but but nowadays everybody's. And I'm not saying this to piss in anybody's Wheaties.
5: Piss away. Piss away. But
1: but it just seems like everybody's got an opinion, which is fine. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Yeah. And everybody is an expert Mm
6: -hmm.
1: on the writing of a a wrestling show.
6: I mean, yeah. I mean, I mail in storylines all the time, and they just send them back and say, thank you so
1: much. So, (laughs) you know... I don't know. It's it's. I know that the writing has um, definitely lapsed. If I was a writer,
6: there would be no Yokozuna right now. So I mean, that makes me a bad writer, right? In some people's eyes.
1: I just miss. I just miss the good versus evil. I just. Yeah. That's what I miss. It's it's as simple as that. It's as that's simple why as like.
6: Six was so big because nobody knew. Nobody was ever privy to a good versus good.
1: Well, they. You know. Only people that knew what was going to happen was the people in the back. Oh, right? yeah. Nobody in the stands or sitting at home watching pay-per-view knew how this was going to go down. Now, everybody sheds their opinions to the point where 50-50, we know this is going to either do this or they're going to do that, or even they'll go diving into it even deeper. Well, i I seen this coming. We knew this was coming. And then, you know, yeah. it just blows the surprise. And I'm going to go jump off the limb here and say – kudos to the Star Wars industry for the, the, the big old missile that they kept under closed doors like none other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier
6: to do that on, a, on a, a movie or a TV show versus a... But
1: back then, so was wrestling. Wrestling yeah. was a TV show.
6: You can't do that now. It's just too... You got people that are... You, and then you got... The, the other problem is, and then we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, the other problem is Is that you got Alexa Bliss spitting out blood and black goo in her mouth and going crazy, and then you're going on your Instagram and she's there with her husband, she's holding her
0: doggy, and you know who's you know who's responsible for that, David? Our next inductee.
1: (laughs) I just, I just (laughs) wish, baby, Vince McMahon. Just just to just to close on what I was talking about, Mm -hmm. I just wish that we could just sit back. Enjoy the story and try not to figure out the end from A to B. We'll I just, to
6: give us better stories and we can do no, that. I,
1: I agree with that. I do. I think there's not really any story in the new product. I think it's just basically turned into a high school wrestling match.
5: No, we got this no, guy
1: going against this guy and there's going to be an outcome. One of them is going to win. That's the writing.
5: Yeah, and, you know, Dan Gleason put that in our comments, and, and I agree. I I missed a WrestleMania finish storylines and set up storylines for the next WrestleMania. I mean, we were a year out. They just, mm-hmm. you know, it's stuff. And, oh, my God, we didn't get the best ratings. We're going to go and just trash can that with a blow-off match uh, next Monday night. You know you what?
6: know what I hated when we saw The Rock and John Cena? And then the next night, they're like, "Next WrestleMania, it's going to be The Rock and John Cena again." I hated that.
1: See, That's when they, not, when they do that. There's no build up. You're
6: telling me next year I'm seeing the same main event again?
1: No build up, no return match. It's everybody likes it's, that climactic story. Edge and to, Randy Orton are going to be number to, one and two to the they're ultimate perfect. end, and then we we start the roller coaster all over again. But you knew Edge
6: was winning as soon as you knew he was one or two.
1: Well. And and I get it, but it just seemed like the whole time I was watching the Rumble. And the announcers do the best they can. I get that. But when they're – it's just like, you know, when the announcers are jinxing football players. You know, he's never missed a kick in 467 attempts, and then he hits one off the upright. <laughs> the announcers basically gave it away that Edge was going to win. Mm-hmm. They were constantly – Hammering it down our throats, that Edge was number one. Edge was still in there. Edge was about to break this record. Edge was still going strong. And blah
5: blah 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 blah. I'm like, come on, guys, you and gotta you know sell what? it. They also did that with Daniel Bryan. True. Yeah. I'll say I'm such a gambling degenerate now that well, maybe, I check the odds, maybe, the maybe Vegas odds. Beer. I'll be right back. All, <laughs> All right. right. So, and um. That that's how I get my kick now is if the guy who wasn't the odds on favorite in Vegas doesn't win, you know. Like haha, we win. The favorite didn't win.
6: Wanna surprise me? Have a legend come back that's fairly decent and in good shape and you and you know, looks good and stuff. Like a Carlito, right? Carlito looked amazing. Carlito looked amazing. You wanna surprise me? Have someone like Carlito win the rumble. Remember the year Alberto Del Rio won? No one was expecting that. Nope. There was a lot of pissed off people. Because he's a heel and they hated him. That means he's doing his job, right? I hate the guy now. He's a scumbag. Don't get me wrong. But when he won, no one expected it. Do you want to give me a surprise? Don't stop. When Rey Mysterio came in, number one, you knew he was winning. You knew he was winning. You knew Rey Mysterio was winning that match all because of everything that was going on around it, which we won't discuss. But everything that was going on around it, Bray's out there battling for his You know, his buddy and stuff, and you you knew Ray was going to win. I agree a thousand percent. There's no – I mean, I like seeing the, the social media stuff. Don't get me wrong on some occasions. But if I got someone who's supposed to be the Fiend's protege, I shouldn't be seeing normal photos with her on her Instagram.
1: I think they shouldn't tell the announcers anything. Yeah, they used to not. They used to be surprised. I'd I'd tell him, hey, this is who's wrestling.
6: That's
0: all you get to know. Call yeah. it.
1: All right, who's our next inductee? Vince McMahon
5: Jr. What a <sighs> oh, piece gotta of trash. I got to Google <laughs> him. I'm not sure who that is.
6: Yeah, I don't know. Are we talking about his Vince McMahon Senior here?
4: Stop
0: this. Well, I probably wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for Vince McMahon Jr. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have wrestling if it wasn't for Vince McMahon Jr. Not as we not as we know it, and not as it became. Um, no. I think that you, if you if you have a first class of of a pro wrestling Hall of Fame, I mean, people can say what they want about Vince as a person, as a businessman, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think anybody can argue he isn't the greatest promoter in the history of the business. Yes, I mean, end of How about
5: the greatest promoter of anything. In the world, ever. Yeah. Nah, yeah. I, you know,
6: Magic, you always make everyone like the best of everything in the world.
5: <laughs> Brock okay. Lesnar is the best of all time in the room. I <laughs> never said that. Door. You did. No, I you said one of the best performances ever.
4: But like
5: because trap. nowadays we're like, we hate Brock. He's a part-timer. We refuse to see when he does something good and acknowledge it. Hey,
6: look, I acknowledge that Lesnar did good after he got eliminated.
5: Tell me me who's a better promoter than Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I mean, I have to do some research, my friend,
6: but there are probably people that have done things that are, that have made um, companies last hundreds of years. But the uh, the only, the the only person I I could compare.
0: No, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the only person that I could compare to Vince and you know, overall, I guess at the end of the day, you'd have to look at the numbers and everything, but it wouldn't be in pro wrestling; it would be PT Barnum.
6: Yeah, Barnum is big. Barnum's probably one of the best that's, ever. That's basically
5: wrestling in a nutshell. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, P. You could oh, hey, newsflash: PT Barnum Circus wasn't humongous till he was already out of it. That's a fact. Mm, sort of. It was that's his sort name of. on the on that <laughs> banner
6: took that not, on the
4: chin
6: I took that on the chin nonetheless <laughs> he, he's at the end of the day without what he the structure he did all the same as Vince has made a lot of mistakes along the way as well we can name numerous amounts of them and then the product today now he needs to step down um but I agree without Vince there is no there's, there's I, nothing. I just
1: I just think that the company has definitely a plateau, I think they've hit a spot of mediocrity.
0: This is the, and this is something that I mean, we won't we are not going to dig into this because this is <laughs> this I know, is something just, that, that no, just no, no, saying, what I'm about to say now, I want you to finish your thought, okay? But I what I was going to say, I don't want to dig into what I'm going to say too much because this is something I can make an entire episode about how much, no matter how much we all at the time loved the attitude era the Attitude Era is responsible for this afterbirth yeah. that we look at now. The, what we're watching now is the afterbirth of the Attitude Era because essentially you took five years of wrestling, did everything you could ever possibly do. Broke and, all boundaries. And there's nothing left. You you, you just pushed you, you, all envelopes. Yeah. You laid waste to the business. It's scorched earth at this point.
1: Well, yeah, now, now we've come to the point where the majority – of the, of the fans and the public have become too sensitized or sensitive to what wrestling essentially is. It's violence. Mm-hmm. And and violence is now looked at as a no-no. And, and it's almost kind of like it's flip-flopped a little bit. You know, back in the times of when my parents were growing up, you know, rock and roll was the devil and, you know, all that. Well, it's almost like we've come back around to that a little bit and, and, and everybody's uh, offended. It's wrestling. It's barbaric. That's what makes it great. It's two guys climbing in a ring, duking it out. It's, it's glorified boxing. They're going in and they're duking it out with an outcome in sight. So I think back to the Attitude Era. And even, you know, towards the, the end of the golden era, and even back in the old days, you know, it was still had that sense of barbarism to it. Mm-hmm. And now it's become Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get it. It's, it's still wrestling. It's not the ballet. I don't understand. I mean, there are some great athletes that are in the new product. Don't get me wrong. They're all great athletes. But other than The Fiend, I don't see any gimmicks. I don't see anything that would spark a kid's interest or imagination that, you know, good and evil exist. When it gets
6: big, they ruin it.
1: Ruse of Day. I would have never. I, I think they had something going with The Fiend. I think that was, it felt a little you know, old school, like undertaker, undertaker, you know, that kind of gimmick of fear and unexpected outcomes. And you never know what was going to happen next. And that was what, you know, I just, as a kid growing up, that's what I thrived for. I loved the good versus evil. I loved the, the, the bad guy that was, you know, supposedly invincible. And then you had the good guy that was, you know, the all American that was going to come in and knock his teeth down his throat. That's the Mm -hmm. type of story that everybody longs for. But now it's turned into, like I said, high school wrestling. It's, it's, you know, two kids hit the mat. They do the best they can. One gets pinned. One doesn't.
5: Everybody gets a trophy.
1: Everybody gets gets a trophy. It's not, (laughs) I don't,
5: Right. So I like so, said, Vince,
1: I just think that Vince is a pioneer. I think back in the day when he took over and built it up to where it is now. I think he's his you know plan has finally run into its brick wall. I think he's run out of ideas, and I think he doesn't. He hasn't surrounded himself with the people that have the answers. So I just think that you know everybody says all oh, he needs to pass the torch. Well, it's not so much to pass the torch; he's paying the bills. But I think just like with with the virtual asylum and the asylum, have we've surrounded each other with the talent to make it great. And I think it's as simple as that. He needs to; he's got the talent, but now he needs to you know he needs the backup. To, to mold that into something great. And I just think his, you know, I think he just needs the help from something else. besides. So
6: you're saying he's the Jerry Jones of the, the
1: uh, well, WWE? <laughs> I just think that his philosophy and ideas with the direction of where it's going now, I just think that it's run its course.
6: Did you know that Vince didn't watch any NXT for several years?
1: That doesn't surprise me.
6: Yeah. So, any go on, Magic? I'm sorry. So here's
5: the thing. Um, first, let me start by saying I'm in the same beliefs as y'all. But then let me follow it up with Vince McMahon is still doing an amazing job. You know what we are? We are the minority. We are the the over aggressive wrestling fans who we we you know dissect everything and and this and we don't like this storyline and all. The matter of the fact is how are you, how would you tell anyone of any business that's still continuing to grow that's still continuing to profit so much money mm-hmm. you know Vince McMahon does not care about us he's got us no matter what right uh, the shittiest shows in the world we're still watching he cares about the casual fan he um now when ratings dip, he probably cares about and I, I know he some. But when he's still making that much money every quarter, and we see it every time it comes out, and it's an $8 billion company now, it, it, I don't know if you or anyone, if I was in his shoes, could tell me something. Like, hey, you're doing real bad. You need to step down. Oh, that's funny because I just had a record. record. I, see, I'm
1: not, I'm not one of those guys that thinks he should step down because I think, yeah. as a businessman, I think he is you know top-notch. Let me but say that. But, but I just think he doesn't have any support.
6: Let me say this, Magic. I, I agree with you. He's making hand over fist money. Obviously, he just sold his rights to the network, which only had two million subscribers to Peacock. And I would say two million subscribers is a failure. He sold it to Peacock, which has over twenty three million, so he gets more eyes on his product. Yep. But I will argue with you, it's and I'm gonna use an NFL analogy, it's the same difference. Jerry Jones is making money hand over fist. His company's still growing. His product is still growing. He's doing a great job. I'm not saying Vince needs to step down as the business of the company. Obviously, he's a genius. He's a billionaire. He, he's better than any of us, right? Obviously. But at the same token, it's just like us Cowboys fans. We're sitting here watching and watching and watching and watching and watching. We're watching him make more and more and more money, but we're not winning, right? Same thing it's not a great athletes with great stories that can be placed with them. That's where Rocky was going and where you're going. So we're all kind of agreeing. I don't think Vince needs to step down as the owner of the company, kind of like Jerry Jones doesn't need to step down as the owner of the Cowboys, but Vince needs to give it to triple H who has done an excellent job with the NXT talent and has given them great storylines. So, and then when they get called up, some of them have good stuff. Some of them, their storylines get convoluted. Like, you, you know, you're not doing anything now with certain people. So I agree with, with every, with everything everyone is saying. I just, I think just he
1: think
5: needs it to, needs help. I think we all agree with Rocky, but the difference between the NFL and WWE is NFL. There's two different things that say success, success on the field and success financially. Yep. unfortunately, WWE is just financially. There's no other successful, I mean, yes, like us rating it, Ooh, was it a good match, whatever, but as far as their business model, it's just financial. You know, the Dallas yeah. Cowboys can say, well, we made money, but we didn't, their goal's to win and make money. There's no that win part in WWE. Sure. Sure, I mean, there's and,
6: growing, and I guess the comparison is, the comparison I'm making isn't, is not is you're right. It, it is only one. It's just financial, and if they're doing great financially, I've, there's eyes on the product. I just think that the eyes on the product, is, every single month by month, year by year, has lessened, and maybe that is by definition the hardcore fan. Obviously, the ratings are lower, but also there's a lot more technology that factors into that. Of course, you know because people are watching it different ways and and things of that nature. So I I see what your your point is, and I agree with that. I just think he needs to, you know, let someone come in, whether it be a Triple H or maybe a different mind, and they um, try to freshen up the storylines and not do so well with someone, and then they get to the main roster, or they get there and they do well for a little bit, and then they kind of dissipate. We didn't have that happen before, so.
0: And... Before we move before we move on, my two final thoughts on Vince. I'll throw the comedy aspect of We Can't Wrestle in there. Firstly, I definitely voted for him to be in this Hall of Fame based on the criteria. Secondly, Vince McMahon should not be on TV anymore because Vince McMahon looks like the corpse of Vince McMahon now. So that has to he has to stop being on TV because that is it's scary yeah, to look at. I think he's done.
6: Now he so is... bad, especially because only 15 years ago he was into Muscle Magazine.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, no, no, James, I, I don't I know think... if anybody on this show ever saw DC Follies, but he looks like the DC Follies. if DC Follies had a puppet of Vince McMahon. Like it's
5: it's sad to see, actually. Do no, you... I, you're right. Vince should not be an on air talent anymore.
1: Mm-mm. I think that
5: that. That boat
1: is definitely safe. Now, don't way, get me wrong. The way he talks. talks the, he doesn't
5: the, want
0: to be. The way he talks, the way how, he how looks, everything. His whole mystique is gone. 70, what? 72, Vince? 74? 74, I think. Don't
6: get me wrong. He still looks great for someone at 74, but. We're, we as fans, I think we're used to seeing him, you know, do stuff like this. The vibrant.
4: Vibrant.
6: Well, you know,
5: it's the same thing now. If I told you Hulk Hogan was going to wrestle a match, all of us would be like, Please don't, Holt. Yeah, know? please. I mean, please. It, please. Yeah, it's, it's, like,
1: it's, it's, like, it's like getting a sequel to a, movie, to a movie still. that doesn't need to be made. Right. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. You
6: know, we would all still pop if Hogan that's came right. out for a match. Let's
5: not be, <laughs> let's be real here. You, you know no. what I would, and this is what I'd be doing. Please just have him throw one punch. Please just have him throw <laughs> one punch. You know, and that's I the I want to see a big thing. boot, a leg drop, and that's it.
1: I'd like to see these guys go out and start recruiting guys that aren't necessarily – already wrestling. I, mm-hmm. I love the fact back in the day when they would just go out looking for the meanest and ugliest and baddest people on the planet.
6: That's how they found Hawk and Animal.
1: And then yeah. teach them how to wrestle. That's how they
6: found Hawk and Animal at a bar.
1: That yep. story between Hawk and Animal, that is what I'm talking about when it comes to larger in life. Mm-hmm. These guys and I hate to reference, you know, He Man or Masters of the Universe, but there's a reason why they're oh, masters. You're a them. fan? I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, Who's I, next mate?
1: But it's just uh, it's just like I, I wish that I seen this one guy. I don't I can't remember his name. You guys may know. There's a guy in GCW. Massive dude. All tatted up. I mean ripped massive bulk he wears a mask and it kind of reminds you of Bane I've never seen him wrestle but I have seen his gimmick and just from looking at him I imagine you know something like that walking into the place climbing over the wall it starts snapping necks mm-hmm. I have a finisher that just puts people in the hospital
6: oh you're and, talking about that guy his name is Dan Moth.
1: I think maybe
6: yeah, but GCW. Mm-hmm.
1: That type of character like Bane from Batman is what, I don't know, the kid in me, the nostalgia that, you know, burns in here
4: mm-hmm.
1: would just pop for. And that's what I was hoping with The Fiend. I thought Vince would, you know, build this fiend up to be, to make everybody afraid of. And right. then then they bring Goldberg in and, you know, nothing against Bill. They bring him in and they kill it. Is him? Mm, maybe. He's, okay. he's he's got a full mask. Oh, like okay.
6: A, they, they, this guy's in GCW. He's got the tats. I mean, he doesn't look as ripped as, but I mean, he's big guy. No, this okay.
1: is this is a this is a different guy. I will have to look him up. Okay. I seen him. I seen him on my feed, but I'm just looking for that juggernaut type of character to come in and steamroll the competition.
6: Oh Gleason, yeah. I think has the name. Is this it? Mill Murtis.
1: It very could well be. If you find him, bring him up because I want everybody to see him because like I said, I, he he is and I hate to I'm not try I try not to. Get uh, yeah, this
6: is him. MLW
1: you meant, right? Could have been MLW. It was the yeah. indie circuit, yeah. That's him. You know, I just I think Vince has peaked. It's probably been peaked for a while. Do do you guys I, think that I think he's we... doing best of the, what he can with what he's got, but I just don't think that he's got anything in place as far as writers or yeah, you know, or anything to that might be him um, to to bring it to another level to to show the fans something else.
0: Do you guys think that we? When we discussed Hulk Hogan at the beginning, do you think we discussed enough about Steve Austin to say we've had our discussion about Steve Austin because he was the last inductee? Well, let's do this. He had a great feud
6: with Ricky Steamboat. He had a great feud with his tag partner, Brian Pillman. He's had a great feud when the Dangerous Alliance went up against Sting's teams. I forget they called it the Sting Revolution or something of that nature. He's dudes had with
0: attitudes, wasn't it? it?
6: Yeah, multiple, multiple storylines in WCW. That was great. Bischoff didn't see anything in him.
5: Gold been googling this the whole time, trying Actually, to come back. Actually, I'm not going <laughs>
4: to lie. I knew the
6: Steamboat one and I knew the Pillman one, but I did Google a couple extras because I just wanted to refresh my memory. I'm really not going to lie about that. But I did know about Steamboat and Pillman because I watched some of those matches a couple weeks ago. Um, Just to go back and, you know, watch a little bit, because I was a little kid when I watched these matches the first couple times. So, um, yeah,
1: I just want to interrupt you real quick. I got a picture of this guy.
6: Oh, you got him now.
1: Granted, I have not seen this guy wrestle. I imagine he's a he's a horse. This is what I'm talking about. When you when you start looking at that mold of a professional wrestler, this is this is what I'm talking about. That yes, right there
6: like with, pizza, with a mask
1: yeah that right there climbing into the ring and grabbing a hold of some little little guy like AJ Styles or or uh, even a, a Daniel Bryan good luck <laughs> may, I'd may, be
6: super nervous we'd have another um, there's been a bunch of guys like that and they, they a lot of them fizzle
1: out I know i it's you know you get into the bigger guys like that, and you 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 have a lot of injury and stuff like that because right. you know they may not be as agile as most, but yeah. there again, go with what works
5: i mean yeah. guys, okay, spoiler alert, that's me, I put on a mask sorry that's yeah. all <laughs> off. sorry all right. and, uh, prove it. <laughs> i mean i've I've had christmas Christmas goodies since then, I don't quite look the same. Is that but, from
1: Warsaw, Poland, or Warsaw, Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> but when I think about wrestling, I think of, of of guys that are bigger than the average dude. So
0: we've we've talked about all the inductees. Now this is the time where I give Magic and Gold the opportunity to talk about anybody that that they nominated or voted for, and to try to make that case. And also, I will, I will take this time as my, you know, for my own personal gain to ask Rocky if that when the when next year's ballot comes around, if Rocky wants to be a part of the panel. Sure. I, I would love to have you have you on the panel.
1: Absolutely. Cool.
5: Awesome. So I'll, I'll keep it quick for you, Nate. I know we're we're pushing it here. Um, so as much as I could go into all three of my guys that I think should have made it that didn't, I'll, I'll keep it quick. Um, Bruno. Mm-hmm. Bruno was Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan. Uh he the only thing he had bad was he was just too early, right? Couldn't it wasn't mainstream. It wasn't as much of a social presence. He was kind of stuck
0: that. in the stuck in the northeast. Exactly.
5: Yeah. So I, if and I mean I don't know but if he was 20 years later and had the same career he did, he might have been the guy. Um Bret Hart I don't know how you can leave Bret Hart out of a Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, growing up, I wasn't even the biggest Bret Hart fan. Uh, not until he was retired from in-ring and I was able to go back. And now I love watching him wrestle. Just so, Chris, best boom in-ring nice pop. Te- technical wrestler um, e- for his time and maybe even for now. And then the one guy, if you tell me, put one of my guys in that didn't make it would be HBK. He Hmm. is the greatest in-ring performer of all time. There's no one even today. And this is my opinion, my opinion. That's close. There could be, but that guy. I even
1: said that to David earlier. I said, look, HBK was probably the greatest athlete to ever step through the circle. I mean he Who in was quicker? World, who was faster? Who was more agile than that guy? I mean he was just nuts. screwing himself. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. I mean he had he had a lot of demons yeah. and apparently was a hundred percent asshole early on in his career, and I get all that. But when I look at it as in just following mm-hmm. the storyline only and being the being little me who believed wrestling was a hundred percent legit, real. Um And now even going back and watching wrestling matches, he was able to make wrestling super excited. And honestly, he doesn't – I mean, I know he did like a moonsault and stuff, but really he didn't have any crazy moves or anything. But he still would just make you so excited to watch his match. And everything he did, whether it was just a lockup, a super kick, a body slam, the way he sold – I think his awareness was sharp.
0: What Sean did also better than anybody else was he blended, and and this is to what you were saying, Magic, about him. He had great moves, but he didn't. He blended the American style and the Lucha style, like just this hybrid of the American style and the Lucha style that I don't think anybody's ever matched. Maybe Rey Mysterio. But other than that, and you know, I just – I don't know that anybody's ever matched that.
5: No, that is perfect, and I've never thought of it because, I mean, I'm sure you all know, but he was trained by a luchador. Yep.
0: Um, I say Wouldn't yeah. he not meet your criteria though, Nate, in a way? He he does meet my criteria. Well,
6: not, I mean, if you're going to say that Macho Man was in the shadow of Hogan – all but But, maybe a a year and a half when the wwf was in the worst part of its time was he was he in the lead then he was behind stone cold and then before that he was behind bret hart and then before that he you know
0: but one of one of my and and i didn't vote for him this year sure i didn't vote for sean this year but one of my criteria though is in ring ability well sure he has that in spades well macho man does too i think that Absolutely, absolutely. and I think that as of the that if you look at being of significance to a territory to the w w e slash w w f in its history, Sean is of major significance to that company, um especially after his redemption. Especially that later, that yeah. later, that later when he came His back. with
6: Triple H was amazing. For oh, sure. Yeah. And
0: I mean, just what he did for it, Randy Orton. And, and you know what he did for that, that this new generation or that new generation. We've actually moved on to another generation now. But um, I, I think that at some point I'm going to vote for him. I didn't vote for him this year as much as I love him. Again, it's it's tough. The first class, it's so tough to vote yeah. because you're like, God, this guy for this reason or this guy for this reason. Yep. Yeah. Um, Goldie, what were your three or what were yours that you wanted to bring? There was
6: one, two, three, four that didn't make it off of my list. Okay. Uh, First was Paul Bearer. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't argue if you were doing one announcer slash manager, Heenan would probably get in first due to the fact that Bearer wasn't really an announcer. Mm
4: -hmm.
6: Um, and he didn't have that scope of work that Heenan did, but Paul Bearer is, is, in my opinion, the best manager of all time, and he elevated not only the Undertaker into legend status, but anyone he's managed, he's helped. Kane, Paul, uh, Mankind, Vader, and you can even go back in before when he was uh, Percy, Percy Pringle.
0: Pringet. Yeah, Rick, Rick Rude. He was Rick Rude's manager, in Texas. Oh, yeah.
6: So he, to me, he he's first ballot. If okay, first class in my opinion.
0: Second is obviously a bias, Ted DiBiase. Um, Now thinking about, oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't want to cut you off, but I I actually, when I knew (laughs) going into this segment that you were going to bring him up and I thought about it and I was like, you know, if I just not even counting the million dollar man, even if I take Ted DiBiase's from 1987 to 1993 and and, and, and throw it out the window, Ted DiBiase is the best wrestler to never be the NWA world's heavyweight champion.
6: Yep. He should, and now he's yeah. pissed us off here in the uh, <laughs> lately, but it is what it is. I mean, if I'm speaking up before any of that happened, mm-hmm.
5: um, I hey, feel I will, Ted… I, hmm? I will say Ted was a victim of himself and the victim of himself being so freaking good. Ted DiBiase was such an amazing worker that he ended up being the guy to get everyone over to make the guys who weren't quite as good of a worker. So yeah. he ended up being a victim of so being so. You mean good. like losing to Virgil at WrestleMania, which should have sure. never happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. just just like every every good guy yeah. they wanted to punt. Put our push, let's put him in with Ted because we know Ted will make him look amazing.
6: Let's even talk about his managerial part of his career when you know he managed Steve Austin and King Kong Bundy and all those guys and helped make them legitimate more than you know a little. I know Stone Cold went on to do bigger things than what he was doing, but when he brought him in as the ringmaster, that was awesome, and then when he had. You know the million dollar corporation and his tag run with IRS. I just think DiBiase is one of the best heels of all time. I mean, you hated him. I mean, how could you not hate a guy that kicks a basketball out of a kid's hand? <laughs> you know, he just played the role perfectly, and I think he meets the I think he meets the criteria. He's one of my favorites still to this day. And
5: you know, in, in my opinion, he's a guy that gets there, but not this quick, and, and only because of what I already said. Like, I will hands down give you one of the best in-ring workers. And, and he, here's another thing to to uh, give him a, a positive thing. His gimmick was so good that a lot of people don't know he was that good in the ring. You right. know, he was of,
6: great in the ring. He didn't yeah. need to be. He didn't even have to go in the ring. He paid people to do it for him. You know, so that's what... Made him great, but you know that to me, he—if you put a a heel in, he's he's your tier one heel. Next, I had Roddy Piper, who I feel is a a revolutionary in the industry. You know, he was the first main event at WrestleMania one. Obviously, he could play the heel role. He could play the face role. He didn't. I wish he would have had a longer title run. At one, at all, really. I know he's held some of the minor belts here and there, but he never really got his title run. And he'll probably tell
0: you that uh, he didn't need it. So. And, and to, to speak on Piper for just a second, in the segment that I recorded with Kyle that will air before this one on this episode, we actually discussed, you mentioned the main event of the first WrestleMania. There is no first WrestleMania without Roddy Piper, nope. without him being the counterpart to Hogan. You know, it, it, that he it, there's no there's no mania WrestleMania or Hulkamania without Piper because Piper was that integral in the beginning of that era of wrestling that I mean, absolutely. And yes. then
6: WrestleMania three.
0: He helped a, build
6: up the whole Andre and Hogan feud. You know, he could play a face. He could play a heel. He made wearing a kilt cool. You know, it's just don't his, tell that
0: to Bobby Heenan, though.
6: His promo skills, Piper's up there with, with one of the best. He could cut a promo. He was crazy. You know, you could even put him in stupid skits where a guy's blowing smoke in his face, and he makes that good.
4: Mm-hmm. So,
6: And my last person, um, obviously, is Gorilla Monsoon. Um, he's one of the best announcers ever to, to grace the microphone. Um, without Monsoon, I think Heenan's not as good. Enon's still great, don't get me wrong, but you you got to have that counterpart. Monsoon was even great in the ring when he wrestled. Mm-hmm. So um, now that was before a lot of people's time when he had his you know, singlet and all that good stuff. But without without Monsoon, Vince isn't where he is today. Monsoon did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah
6: so that that's my list, and I think it's a damn good list. The rest of my people made it so
0: and I want to hit you guys with three people that I'm gonna be and I've said this to every group that i've that I've um done this with, but I want to hit you guys with it too real quick before we sign off the three people that I'm gonna keep pushing for as we go through I'm gonna keep fucking pushing for him, keep voting for them, get' them in there. One is Jerry Lawler because. In his territory, first of all, if you're talking about significance to a territory, there he you go. It. He was it. Also, did he have to win the belt so much? <laughs> He's a 47-time time. champion or whatever. Yeah. But also, he is good. At like Kind of like we were talking about Heenan, he is a Swiss Army knife. He is good at everything he does, whether it be announcing, promoting, Uh, wrestling. Yes. Lawler's fantastic. I'm going to keep pushing for him. I'm going to also keep pushing for Terry Funk because I think, and here uh, the the last segment we did, I said Terry Funk was the NWA champion in the 1970s. Then a completely different Terry Funk had an amazing, he worked in the WWF in the 80s. He worked with an amazing program with Flair in, in 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 the NWA and then ECW built an entire promotion on his back. Um, so I'm gonna keep pushing for Terry Funk. And the other guy I'm gonna keep pushing for and this is this actually goes out to a lot of the modern fan listeners that listen to this program. I promise you this you 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 fanboys for Japanese wrestling don't have Japanese wrestling without Ricky Dozan. Because he was, he was the father of Japanese wrestling. He is the reason that, that, that Antonio Noki and Giant Baba were in the business. And quick story, in Japan, the first major huge influx of television sales was because people wanted to watch Ricky Dozan wrestle Freddie Blassie. So, I mean, I'm just talking about cultural impact, impact on the business. So those are the three guys I'm going to keep pushing for. Roseanne was a big guy, too. Yes. (laughs) And And not not even Japanese. He wasn't even Japanese. (laughs) But the Japanese people, you know. So for this segment of the We Can't Wrestle podcast and obviously the live broadcast on the Virtual Asylum, parting words, gentlemen, on the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame
1: for 2020 who's first this guy okay. sure <laughs> i think you know my my wild card maybe for for, for the push that i kind of secretly have in the back of my mind i guess would be kurt henning
0: mm-hmm. and kyle actually kyle was the only one that nominated kurt henning this I, year
1: i just think that uh you know Circumstances it's too perfect
6: to be on our list. <laughs> well, that too.
1: I just think you know, change circumstances of him coming into the big leagues, and I think you're looking at a world champion. I think he had the. I think he had great presence. I think he had great technical ability.
0: He may he may even be in that that kind of category that that magic put DiBiase
5: in. I was just about to say that. I, if, I agree with that. You know a lot of the a lot of the bad guys hills we're talking about, and, and I know it technically wasn't a territory, but it was. If they are in any other territory than the WWF, they probably are the champ. WWF's the only one that was babyface champ, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, a lot of those guys. Who were so good and perfect is right there with DiBiase, and you could put him in with, you know, with any four of us and make us look like we're the best wrestler in the world. And that's you know, no and one kicked out of the Perfect Plex, by the way.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing about Perfect. Perfect was right there in my mind as uh, he had that skill as Flair did about making somebody look better. I mean, there's and, a. And,
6: Nobody or spits
5: it. their gum out and smacks it better than
1: you. I know, and that's the thing. It's and I used like, to love
5: throw the towel, he didn't catches it. Oh, yeah.
1: Or way through the, what was it, through the towel behind his back and it landed on Mr. It. Hughes. I would always miss.
5: I'd be like, oh. Was
1: it Mr. Hughes that landed on his shoulder? and he was Yeah, just like... yeah that was a King of the Ring 93. So <laughs> his his persona and gimmick just fit him to a T. I wish... That he was gonna. I wish he was able to grow, with it, mm-hmm. into something larger. I think he just he he hit the wall. Um, but I still think there's really nobody. I mean, other than maybe Shawn Michaels, smoother and a better technical wrestler than what Henning was. He was just so uh, sharp. He was he was razor sharp.
0: I've never, I've never watched, I've never watched a pro, and, and I said this actually in one of the segments we recorded earlier. I've never watched a wrestler that looked more natural in the ring than Kurt Henning.
1: I know it was just like he was born to be Mister Perfect, mm-hmm. and even you know in the old days when he was coming up into the business, he still was one of the top guys in the ring. No matter who you paired him with,
6: and we want to forget his WCW. Entire run,
1: so. yeah, whatever. Where they didn't use him at all, which yeah, that's just poor, poor promoting on that part. But, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. thought I thought Curt Hennig definitely deserved a, a little push. I I also feel that uh, Ricky Steamboat deserves a little bit of the push. So those are my two guys.
5: Hey, Ricky Steamboat. Quick quick note on that. I, I agree with you. Two of what I would consider best matches of all time. Uh, Include him as one is Macho and Ricky, and one is Flair and Ricky. And then, uh, you know, Gold even talked about earlier great feud with Stone Cold and Ricky. He's another one that I think a lot of us don't give quite the credit. And then we talk about these best matches. You don't all, your name doesn't keep coming up, you know, for no reason. So I love the Ricky call out.
4: Yep. Yep.
1: All right, Magic, that'll be be my push for next year.
0: All right, Sorry, cool. I'm glad I'm glad to have you on the panel, good sir. Thank you. Magic parting words for our viewers and slash listeners.
5: Yes. So I'm very disappointed. The uh, the what's the galloping goblin gobbler? That was who I was gonna go for. He <laughs> didn't quite make it. I mean, that egg.
1: <laughs> Gobbling yeah. gooker or whatever the heck that is.
5: Um. So I'll say, like I said, um. There's there's no one on the list this year that made it that I'll tell you shouldn't have. Um, even though I had a couple guys who didn't, and I'm sure every listener and every person on the panel is like, oh, well, this guy over this guy, that. The truth of the matter, just because some guys make it this first time and maybe some it takes second, third, fourth time, it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad, they're worse, this guy over them wrestling is such an amazing business where, where I was talking about Ted DiBiase, Mr. Perfect being victims of being so good. It, yeah. it, and then you think of, you know, now's a little different because someone could be in that same role and we know they're that good in that put there. But But if you're a modern day fan, you gotta, you gotta just think of to when all four of us were kids, it was a sport. It was a 100% sport. So we weren't like, God, Ted DiBiase is so good. The way we were like, oh, mm-hmm. that guy, he either his, loses or his, he works, his work rate's
0: fantastic. It, so exactly. we were like, a hit car. <laughs> you
5: know, yeah. like, call we, the locksmith. Or, or, that or, asshole sticking a $100 yeah, bill in a. 100% random guy. How well, dare he do that to that <laughs> little kid? It was
1: just basically good versus evil. You couldn't yes. make it any more You watched than every ever.
5: show Open Hogan 1 as a kid. Yes, he right. we all yeah, there. I, I did. And <laughs> so, so when I say that, the reason I bring that up is, in my opinion, it's almost unfair to, gu- to gauge someone against the 70s to the 90s or the 80s to the 2000s or even the 80s to 90s and so. Because i mean i know i did even my dad who i have to know knew wrestling was as they would say fake or set up or whatever but even he was looked at he watched wrestling the same way he watched a football game Mm -hmm. you know it, it wasn't like let's see how they call this finish you know it was i hope this guy wins and i think he will because he's a better wrestler and if I got punched in the face by that guy, I'd be out cold. You know, I mean, <laughs> so, so just just keep that in mind. It's so hard to judge wrestlers from different eras for that fact, and and it's I, I'm excited almost to see it going into the future because now that wrestling's completely open, maybe the 2010s, 2020s, 2030s will be a little easier to judge against the 2000s. Um, Because the one thing wrestling does have over other sports is, you know, I always say, man, I wish I could have seen the 2021 Super Bowl champions versus the 1975 Super Bowl champions and which football team was better. Wrestling's a little better than that because what we say now, we don't have to have them go head to head. We can say, let's watch his promo. Let's watch his work. Let's watch that. It doesn't. Head to head doesn't matter, right? Or you can just bring Goldberg back and they can just have a match. <laughs> yeah, we cannot. Well, we know Goldberg's better, right? Goldberg. We can wins. just have Goldberg
6: come back and have the match. I mean, Goldberg's Man, I really want to see Goldberg He's still versus win McIntyre. All right,
1: let's do it. So, what happens when you run out of the old guys? I mean, pretty much the only thing you got left, to, in my mind, is Edge and Orton.
5: So here's the thing, Rock. You'll never run out of old guys because there's new old guys. Now you <laughs> I Cena's know but the new <laughs> old guy. No, the I Rock don't, don't will know. be the Rock will come back. Triple H is going to probably. Steve run. Austin might have one more, and maybe.
1: To me, those guys are long gone. I don't you know, think you. I don't think. I mean, other than Triple H being that Vince McMahon role as the bad CEO, that's about it. The Rock. The
6: Rock will probably do another match.
1: The Rock's about about the dollar sign. He makes $20 million a picture. Why would he come back and take a beating for pennies on the dollar other than he loves the business? But it's, it's that pop that they're hoping for by bringing those old guys back. But I just sit there and think, man, you're going to eventually run out.
5: No, the, the problem with an old guy, and sorry, Nate, we're getting a little off, but the problem with the, the old guy is a Band-Aid. It's yeah. not going to fix anything. It's right. going to yeah. stop the bleeding for half a second, and then it, it's going to bleed right out of it.
6: Yeah, and then and, they need to pass the torch, and then that that's what you used to do. Now it's
5: – well, we
6: are, yeah, we're are—we're going like it, – it's just, you know, Goldberg passed, passed that torch – should have passed that torch in 04
1: to Lesnar, but they were both leaving the company. So And even Lesnar's getting, you know – to the point where
5: what's Lesnar? Lesnar like forty five now?
1: Yeah, he's my age. Yeah, yeah Lesnar's So I mean,
5: so I mean lesnar like its not though. like
1: he—it's not like he's a young pup anymore.
5: No, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you know. I, I just, I just—I'm
1: be- curious how far, how many times can they go to the legends or older guys well before they look down in there and there's nothing left?
6: It's just float. It's just Archie in there. Okay. Well, and then,
1: and then you like you said, Magic, you're. You're you're stuck with what you got, and what you got is mediocre. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that those guys in the new product are not athletes, because that's what the, that's what they want. That's what they're getting. They're getting athletes, but they're not getting legends.
5: No, you're right. And, and you know, my quick take on that is: there's an old rule in booking wrestling. <laughs> And uh, this goes from the littlest show to the biggest show is you cannot make a superstar with 50-50 booking. And it seems like everyone now is 50-50 booking.
6: Yep. And it's also partial the new fans' faults, too. Because if you do what we keep talking about, where it's kind of that 100-0 booking, that person keeps the belt heel right the, the big heel keeps the belt for a year then the face comes in and wins it the fans are complaining that that person had the belt too long you know or they're they're wanting
1: they're just wanting something to change they just want changes they don't want the same outcome every time they turn the tv on they just want something to to be different
6: got to I mean, go that, back to having good matches on TV but the big matches on the pay-per-views I'm a, we never I never got a lawyer on the on the it, TV it,
1: it it gets to the point where every raw or smackdown is just another pay-per-view
5: oh 100% uh, that, that's one of the things i hate is wrestlemania Gold versus nate monday night raw after wrestlemania Gold versus nate rematch it's
6: like, yeah. oh, and we're like, who's going to win tonight? And I just <laughs> I kept the belt. And everyone's like, we like, you know gold's you
1: retaining.
5: told me for three months <laughs> I should go and buy WrestleMania or watch it because this is a, such an amazing match. Now I can just it
1: watch it for free. The next yeah. night.
5: You know what I hate? What I This is what I loved about um,
6: WrestleMania 14, right? We're watching. We're in suspense. All of a sudden, that night on Raw... They're like tonight, HBK versus Stone Cold. Nowadays that match would have happened. Back then, we're all like shocked, like they're not gonna have this match. It's WrestleMania, right? We're we're in suspense. What's gonna happen? Right? I, um Stone Cold comes out, is about to have the match, gets attacked before the match even starts. Match doesn't happen. And of course, Undertaker returns and accepts Kane's challenge. That's what we need to see, not, oh, tonight we're going to have the, the WrestleMania main event, it's, but it's going to be a tag match. It's going to be McIntyre and Goldberg versus blah, 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 blah. And you're like, really? You're not building it up. I should see one week McIntyre's beating the crap out of Goldberg. The next week, Goldberg comes back, beats the crap out of McIntyre. We don't
1: It's a one-and-done one scenario.
6: We don't have matches where McIntyre is tagging up against Goldberg every shot. Now, I get the house shows. They did stuff like that because you got to match this for the live crowd. And, uh, you know, they don't really do house shows now because of the pandemic. But, anyways, my final word is is that everyone's list is great. Everyone's going to have people that were left off. There's just absolutely no, if, if someone picked the list with everyone on it, it's rigged. <laughs> I'm going to stay rigged <laughs> all day. Like,
5: oh, all mine won. <laughs> oh, man, all of my people are on. I'm awesome.
6: Sexy I, will, guys. I will say it's also, there's some biases to it. And there are people, every generation has grown up with people, right? You know, the 70s, oh, Bruno, you know, and Bob Backlund, and 80s, Hogan, Sheik, still some Bob Backlund, you know, 90s, Austin Rock, you know, all that. And then even now, the younger generation, Cena was the best ever. You know, people would argue that Cena is the best ever because that's what they grew up with.
1: I was never, no offense to John, but I was never a fan, no matter what. Because you are. grew up
6: in a different time period. You grew up watching, not only did we grew up in the best time for wrestling in history of wrestling, it's just a fact.
1: Our I just I just think that to me, and, and this, like I said, this is not a dig on Cena, but it, it, to me, Cena felt like he was the best uh, jobber they had. And they mm-hmm. turned him into a superstar. Yep. I just, I don't know. I just didn't, maybe I just wasn't young enough to appreciate his gimmick.
5: You know, I, I really think it goes back to the whole 50-50 thing. And and I mean, I know Cena won a lot of titles and all that. But the reason he won a lot of titles is because he lost a lot of titles, right? Now, Ric mm-hmm. Flair won a lot of titles, but he did it over 40 years Right, You know, Cena, yes, he's wrestled a long time, but if we cut it down to his title runs, so to me, you know, forever, you know, Hulk Hogan was like the five-time champion, but every reign was two, three years. And, you know, Cena's
6: had Flair in, what, seven years? Right. It was was 05. No, WrestleMania 20, he won the US belt. WrestleMania 21 is when he won the belt. That was 05. So he's, he's won what what is it, 16 times from 2005 to, let's say, I think what the last two years he hasn't really wrestled.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So from well, 11 years, he's won the belt 16 times. He's won the belt almost two times a year. Like so I think, said, if, I,
1: if gonna... I ever meet Cena, I'd, I'd walk up to him and shake his hand and admire his success. And I'm sure he's a super nice guy, but I just was not – a fan of his persona or his
5: gimmick. No, think of it this way. So like, think back to when we were kids or we were younger and we're watching wrestling, any former champion was a legit world champion, right? No. Oh, he had, he had the belt, you know, we, we would say like, even after macho man lost the title, that's he was a still, freaky, in he was exactly. still in
1: contention. Exactly.
5: That is a former world champion. You don't mess around with him. Yeah. We don't think that right now about Kofi. No. Right. Like, we don't go, that is, I mean, they That's say. That's how you
6: build them. And then remember back when we were kids, more times than not, the, the champion had the IC belt before True. The major title, Ultimate Warrior, they, Macho Man.
1: They just kind of worked their way up into they the They worked
6: ranks. their way up. They they didn't go from, oh, well, I'm champ to
5: nothing. You know, because, like, think of, um, oh, what's his name? I'm forgetting now. The Great White Warrior. What's his name? Seamus. Yeah, Seamus. When Seamus wrestles right now, no one is like, you better watch it. That's a former world champion. I didn't even know he won. Yeah, he he <laughs> was a world champ. He <laughs> beat Daniel Bryan
0: in, what, 15
5: seconds? And I, and I feel bad Jake, for
0: Jake, – Hager, Jake Hager, who stands around as Chris Jericho's Mr. Hughes right now, was a former world champion. There's your, there's your status of professional <laughs> wrestling in the past That's what I'm saying. Years. But
5: when I was a kid – and macho had lost the title to hogan every match it was like dude that is a former world champion you don't take him lightly you but know you, because
1: you also thought well eventually he's going to he's going to rise back up and reclaim his belt and and the sad thing is i think kofi will never have another shot
5: no i i and you're right this, the sad thing is i think they gave Cody or kofi a reign because the fans demanded it you know is not because they wanted to build him up. But anyways, that's a different we yeah, don't want to get down that rabbit hole also. But I know. But it's well, just that's my final word. So thank I you, just, gentlemen. Thanks for Thanks
1: for having me on. I, I oh yeah. It. It's, fun. it's fun to talk it's fun to talk shop. And it um, will be amazing
0: to have you as part of the panel next year. I appreciate that. hmm And of course, Magic, David, yeah, thanks for joining me. guys get your orders in man we're gonna stop them soon get them in there it is bret hart the asylum wrestling store.com for those of you listening on the podcast and couldn't see and in the asylum virtual meet and greets let me just read these off guys february 6th lex luger february 20th dustin rhodes ricky steamboat on the 6th of march wow bret hart on the 20th of march Keith Slater, man, he's got kids. Come give him some, uh, come give him some love on April the third. Eric Redbeard on the seventeenth of April, May first, Mister Mark Marrow, the marvelous one, and Kelly Kelly, the beautiful Kelly Kelly, on May the eighth.
1: So top notch, top notch. Those of Fine. you listening on the weekend Wrestle lineup. podcast, That's, there you that go, is crazy, absolutely. These guys he are told doing us great.
6: Last, work. April, last March.
5: We'd have that kind
6: of line, the lineups we had before even then. no.
5: Nope. If you asked me last March, I'd be like, what do you think the lineup will be in February of twenty one? I'd be like, oh, it would be, you know, Smiley. from <laughs> We'll have Warsaw. <laughs> the 10 time Detroit champion, you know, or whatever. We'd have Archie February sixth,
6: Warsaw February
1: twentieth. <laughs> We would have Alex Wright's roommate's brother-in-law.
5: <laughs> March 8th, we have Nate Maxson from We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Oh, That's yeah. going to be a
1: big show.
0: 67-cent 60, by
1: 10s Yes. <laughs> and free department.
4: cards.
0: No, and big lot of
1: chips. Honestly, it's been, <laughs> it's been a treat to work with all you guys. Um mm-hmm. Like David said, if you'd have told me a year ago that my phone would be full of outstanding legends and talent in the wrestling community, I would have definitely said, "Mm, "I think you're wrong."
5: Yeah, you're full of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, and you know, and even I've even grown fond of some of these people that I've worked with, and and we've we've gained a relationship from some of them and some of them are so, And I, I say some all or have been more than appreciative of our efforts. Mm-hmm. And I can't thank them enough for giving us the nod, this little group of misfits to, to put them in front of their fans. It's, it's an absolute honor to, to be able to create a platform for them to do that. So kudos to the talent kudos to the uh, the fans and the members out there. And we love you guys and we appreciate you.
6: And we want you to buy in all our meet and
0: greets.
1: There it is. Corey <laughs> said it best.
0: Salute. Salute. <laughs> See ya. Alright everybody, thank you for joining us this week as we wrap up the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame edition part 2 um, there will still be another segment coming up with Nick Hestelo and Danny Torres from Fandemonium who were also part of the panel. That'll be featured here sometime within the next week or so. And now we'll be getting back to normal with the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Some uh, some normal episodes coming up now that I've finished up this Hall of Fame project. But I do want to thank Aaron and Kyle and David Gold, John Majewski, and Rocky Turner for being with me this week to discuss the Hall of Fame. Excited to have Rocky as part of the panel next year. And uh, we will roll on with that as it goes. With that being said, I want to thank you all for joining me this week on the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame Part 2. And we will see you next time around, everybody. Thank you so much. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxing Out Media, all rights reserved.